we're doing a podcast today, and this is going to be a lot of Elden Ring talk. And if you don't want to hear discussion of Elden Ring, I will put a timestamp in the description that you can click to, and you can hear us just talk about Gran Turismo and Shadow Warrior and open world games more generally. However, we're not going to spoil the shit out of Elden Ring. We're gonna we're gonna spoil maybe the first two areas and early stuff, and then talk big picture about it. So we're gonna leave a lot of mystery there for you to. But like, if you want to go in totally blind, uh, maybe listen to this a little later. You guys agree? Yeah. Well said, bud. Well said. Okay. Mike, welcome back to the show. How, how you been, man? Uh, I've been great. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's good to be back, and I'm excited about today's topic. Yeah. Topics. Topics. But, but yeah, just a topic. Uh, I want to do a special shout out to COVID. Happy second birthday. Uh, it's been it's been great knowing you for two years now. <laughs> yeah, it's been a blast, COVID. Thanks. Uh, I think thanks, this is, thanks for literally changing yeah. everything. Yeah, I think we're like literally recording on like like the day that it became real two years ago uh, for, for most people. Um, that was back when my kids were told that school will be out for just a couple weeks. Right. I was going to leave the office for maybe two, three months tops. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been it's been a fun two years, uh, Warren. It's uh, <laughs> are you laughing? I just remember I'm just laughing to myself because I remember talking to you, Aaron, and you're like, you know, we were saying like, how long is this going to last? And then you told me that experts are saying it's going to take about twelve to twenty four months. And like it, it, mm. it took me a long time to wrap my head around that. Like, what is that? How pandemics work? And now two years later, and it's like there's still no end in sight. So it's just, yeah, it's wild to think that it's just, that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is one of the the, the few cases <clears throat> where we uh, have experienced an endemic. Mm. We've had pandemics before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but much like the common cold, uh, COVID is now endemic, where it's just here to stay. It's going to be cyclical, and we'll just have a second booster shot. Yeah, it's part of our lives. Uh, uh, another thing that's part of our lives, uh, Stalker, one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, Stalker 2, probably, I would say easily, my most anticipated game of this year, has been delayed possibly canceled due to the uh, incredibly egregious war of aggression in the Ukraine. Multiple people, multiple games in the Ukraine have been delayed as well. And um, I don't know if I, like this is this. I don't want to get too into this, but like if you're interested, I will leave a link in the show notes where you could support people in the Ukraine if that's something you're interested in doing. Um, and I do it's we I do notice that uh, I have that we have had people listen to this podcast in Ukraine. So if, if you're listening there, hey, we we love you. Uh, We're doing everything we can. On that note, just want a quick mention. I think it's related. Uh, John Romero, if you're a Doom fan like I am, released a new Doom Two map for the first time in like 25 years. And if you buy it, it'll uh, he puts all the money towards Ukraine funds. So that's something that you're, you know, that's if that's like if that's your jam like me, then check it out. It's a very hard level. <laughs> it's very difficult. Did yeah. you try it? That was. I'm playing it. It's good. I was very pleased. I I, I want to shout out to uh, my employer Blizzard. They did a two to one uh, donation match to Ukraine, so I donated and they doubled it. Uh, we've raised. Last I looked, it was over four hundred thousand. So oh, very nice. Big shout. Yeah. Big shout sure. out to that. Very cool. Well, I, I, very I cool. guess I, um, I might jump into my shout out. This is not video game related, but I work for the <coughs> National Peace Corps Association. And if you want to donate to uh, to affiliate groups that are actually uh, 
working to help people in Ukraine, uh, I recommend going to the National Peace Corps Association website for that. Cool. For sure. Um, other news, Dead Space reboot in about a year. So excited for that. If we if we make it another year, let's looking forward to that. Twenty twenty three. It's. I feel like ever since twenty twenty happened, twenty twenty one was an abstract concept, and then twenty twenty two was an abstract concept. It's like, we'll get there I, when we I get think there. We're still in twenty twenty. Yeah. So, on, <laughs> yeah. On uh, this topic, all of us are fans of survival horror games. I've talked with all three of you about them quite a bit. Uh, we mm-hmm. do we all agree that the original Dead Space is like you know top three of the genre for for games? What do you think? I think so. Yes. Well, I just remember uh, yeah. it came out in the same window as Resident Evil 5, and it completely stole the thunder from Resident Evil 5. I was like, this is this is what I want. So I, I, Yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. I think at the time of its announcement and release, I was... Um, I think I was longing for, like, a System Shock game. Because I think at the time EA held the rights to System Shock, and it was initially a System Shock reboot, until they played Resident Evil Four, and they're like, "What? We're gonna make this instead." <laughs> that's that's the official story. So yeah, I I was pretty excited about it, and it it did not let me down. <clears throat> yeah, awesome. Definitely. I remember. So that's cool. Um, Aaron, I think we downloaded it on my Xbox or your Xbox. We played the demo, and yeah, I remember we were the demo in the first part of the demo you fight these like large enemies that have like babies inside of them and if you shoot their stomachs like they all come out and like attack you and it was pretty like <laughs> oh that's disgusting and amazing at the same time i just i just remember like and then when you die they like fatality you like in such a brutal way like i wasn't used to seeing the main character get chopped up so viscerally in a game before it was like a very like whoa <laughs> moment so pretty cool i'm excited for that reboot i'm definitely gonna play that they're remaking it all right uh, yeah check it out uh we're, i'm excited we'll do probably a long jump on uh we didn't do a long jump for that no, game we should, right? am I, am I, we, we should before before that comes out uh in other news and, and more on topic for the podcast this week elden ring sales are bonkers big uh like like crazy big like like tens of millions big steam spy which is reasonably accurate but not certainly not perfectly accurate, has the number of PC owners at over 20 million. Wow. Does that even seem possible? Like, that's crazy. If it sold 20 million on PC, that means that Elden Ring has sold basically the same number of copies on one platform that the entire Dark Souls 1, 2, 3 sold on all platforms. Bandai Namco must be very happy. Right. Yeah, I just so, rem- I just uh, remember like reading IGN in 2009, and there was this obscure little game called Demon Souls that was being reviewed. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> to go from this like niche little uh, developer to now the mainstream just blows my mind. <laughs> it really does. It's so weird, isn't it? As someone who spent basically the past ten years as somewhat of a FromSoft evangelist with people I know. Uh, it's just so bizarre to see that it's blown up so hugely. I think they absolutely deserve it. It's just I, I'm trying to like wrap my head around like why this game and not something before it. Not that not that this game is isn't incredible because it is, but just like what what is it about this game? Is it just the timing of the release? Is it the branding with George R. R. Martin? Is it the fact that it's an open world game? 
I don't know. It might be all. It might be all of the above, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of it is the momentum behind uh, Dark Souls, uh, Dark Souls Two, Dark Souls Three. Like, there was a building fan base there, and this release just seemed to sort of be the culmination of all yeah. of that, as well as having someone like George R. R. Martin attached yeah, to it. I think so too. I, I also think I also want to give the Game Awards credit for this because they kept talking about it and they kept showing it there. And the Game Awards went from like I remember like I don't know the exact years, but it was like 2016. It was like four million, and like the most recent year, it was like 30 million viewers. So like the Game Awards became huge, and they they talked about it like every single Game Awards. So I definitely think that that really helped with the hype. Wasn't the um, the Keanu thing at, for Cyberpunk? Wasn't that at Game Awards as well? When you're beautiful. Mm-mm. Your oh, that was uh, E3. E3. Was that E3? That was okay. Microsoft. E3 2019. Okay. But, yeah, it is crazy that this game... I don't totally understand why it's this game and not other games. It does seem like the... Uh, well, the feeling I had was that like the critical consensus is finally compl- like accepted that From is like a top-tier, like up there with Nintendo and whatever other top-tier developers, Sony. like Critical Darlings. But then you go back and look at a lot of these other games. Like, IGN gave... Demon Souls, like a 93 or 94. Like a lot of the From games have gotten really good reviews from IGN GameSpot, not from everybody, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's it's crazy that it's, it's, I don't understand why it's this big though. Like why didn't Sekiro send, I mean, maybe Sekiro did sell 10 million copies. I have no idea. But also like, on PC. I mean, the, I mean, I checked yesterday, there was 800,000 active players. I mean, just think about this. So in 2011 or 2010, we had to get a petition to get Dark Souls even on the PC. To- and now yeah, we're at the point yeah. where it's more people playing it than Lost Ark, which is like the biggest game on Steam ever. Not, not that, not. So it's yeah, just crazy. It, it's it's worth noting. And it's a con- controller-based game. Yeah, that's also true. Um, it it is the sixth highest concurrent all-time players list uh, game on Steam in all of Steam history. It's num- number six. So that's I mean that kind of supports that it that maybe it really did sell twenty million. Twenty million just seems hard to. To believe and I'm looking at Steam Spy right now and it says 20 to 50 million copies which is just that's more than Cyberpunk which sold huge huge numbers yeah. <laughs> that's a really wide range <laughs> yeah I mean I would think if, if anything it's probably that's a like that's 19. a large margin of error <laughs> yeah but 20 million is the floor that's just insane yeah and that's PC only that, that doesn't include that's only Steam uh, Sony that doesn't Xbox. even include Epic Store and other possible places right um yeah, although I guess like something that people stress is that this is owners, not necessarily buyers. So some people might have got these keys with like graphics cards or whatever other things you might get an Elden Ring key with. I don't know. Crazy. Uh, if they really sold 20 million copies on PC, they had better add widescreen support, ultra wide support, high refresh rate, and fix that fucking performance issues. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, let's talk about Elden Ring. So. Spoiler warning, again, light spoilers, not big spoilers, nothing in-game, but like we're going to talk about things that happen in the game, and if you want to go in blind, check the timestamp. Uh, quickly, because I don't want to make this at all the point of the conversation, I want to complain about the performance and then say no more. I just, <laughs> it could be better. Like, that's it. Agreed. It, I just, uh, it'll be fixed by, by a modder. Let's, yeah. let's just succumb okay. to that right now. By a modder. FromSoft will, will not fix it. Uh, someone else in the. Do you think they I won't fix it? How, uh, I don't. Really? I don't know. I don't. Th- I they never fix fixed Bloodborne. Yeah. They never fixed. They it. never fixed anything. <laughs> they never fix anything. <laughs> they don't. I just. 
They never fix so anything. It's not entirely true. They do fix stuff, but it takes. It usually takes a large margin of players to play it. Large margin. Tell them large margin. It usually margins, takes a third-party studio to remaster right. the game. That's what it takes. Um, so, it takes okay, a here's, blue here's, point. Here's, 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 a, here's a, a bug that I'm facing when Dark Souls 2 came out. Um, Dark Souls 2 was a game that had a durability that whenever you attack an enemy, it would slowly degrade over after attacking enemies. On the PC version, because it was 60 FPS, the durability was double. So you would take double the damage per hit. So basically, your weapons were like swinging soggy cardboard tubes at everything. They would just break like very quickly. You needed two weapons for every, for every bonfire. Yeah, yeah that's um, crazy. But they patched that when they released Scholar of the First Sin because it came to consoles, right? So they fixed that issue. So they did fix the issue, but it took them on the release to fix it. Now, I don't think that's going to happen with Eldering. Right. I think that my, my point is I think that if a large enough mar- like market that's being affected by it, Bandai Namco will address it. So I do firmly believe that this will be addressed. Uh, it's also noted that if you play Elden Ring on Linux using Steam, uh, because it uses Proton, it pre-compiles shaders. Hmm. And this is not an mm. issue. If you play on Linux, mm-hmm. uh, that is That's what I've read. Maybe I should just dual boot. I would... Uh, I, I, so, I'm not doing that. So uh, the um, the Steam right. Deck, oh yeah, uh, was resolved by basically doing the same thing. Valve mm-hmm. uh, pre-compiled the shaders, which is easy to do because that is a uh, fixed hardware platform. Yeah, mm. that's true. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. I think I'm gonna really address though. All right. Last thing I'll say about it. I, and I say, look at look at every single release ever but uh, who knows hopefully they do I, I, I have you know hope I, I really want ultra wide support I hate looking at giant black bars on my screen but uh, otherwise let's not I don't want to talk about this the whole time let's talk about Elden Ring uh, everybody Orin has made a nice little cheat sheet for us I have put 55 hours in the game 45 on my main character I guess and then another 10 playing co-op with Kevin and a little bit with Mike Orin says you've played 900 hours is that is that possible uh yeah, I just never slept, and I actually accessed a different realm, like kind of invading another world, like in Bloodborne, and I put in more mm. hours there, and then I came back. But uh, no, I, I put in uh, I how many hours? I put yeah. in seventy-eight hours, and I'm on New Game Plus right now, so I've been devouring this game. That's where I'm at. That's trippy. So I have managed to put in seventy hours so, myself, <laughs> um, and. I did not take vacation. I have, <laughs> I've, I've basically uh, gone to work, and then as soon as I'm done with work, I just go over to dark uh, to the cell. So about, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't say hi to my kids. <laughs> I don't do anything else. But so uh, going off of Mike's point, I know Kevin, we're going to get to you, but uh, I just want to paint a quick picture. Uh, the, I said that I work for the National Peace Corps Association. The first week of the month is Peace Corps week. So I had to run a conference that week. So I had a very busy, like, 60-hour work week. I still, after, like, an 11-hour workday, would sit down and put, like, six to seven hours into Elden Ring because I'm like, I am not letting my job get in the way of this game. I am playing this game. Anyway, so, Mike, similar experience. Um, I'm 75 hours in. So I may have played more than you, and I have not beaten the game, which leads me to believe that if you were to mainline the game, you would probably miss like 80% of the game. I don't know if that's true, but the game is hugely dense. Like, there is just yeah. so much content. Yeah. And I'm trying to like... So the way that I always play FromSoft games is I, I like check every corner of every hallway and everything, 
right? This game is really stretching that philosophy and kind of making it almost painful to do that because it's so big. So I'm trying to think of it mm-hmm. more of like a traditional open world game. Like I'm not going to just see everything maybe because I just think that's impossible. But it does feel like everything is so well done that I don't want to miss anything. So it's 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 a little bit of a chore in that regard. Not that it's a bad thing, but I'm I, I'm going to have to change how I play it, I think, a little bit. So, so I do want to speak to that. Uh, my, f- I think I clocked in my first p- playthrough at around seventy-three hours, um, and uh, I got one of the secret endings, which was cool. But um, I, uh, it's been interesting because I've been talking to my brother a lot because he's also playing the game, and he's more like you, Kevin. He he checks everything and he looks for stuff. And I'm on New Game Plus. He's like, "Oh, I found this really cool NPC in this area. You should talk to this person because it relates to this other thing." So, I think like for my second playthrough, I'm gonna kind of like let the playthrough breathe a little bit more and just kind of like find all the sh- the weird shit that I didn't do, and I'm just kind of discovering it through happening upon it, but also through word of mouth, talking to people about it. So. I will say I feel a little bit of like mental fatigue because I'm playing it like Kevin's playing it. Like I'm I'm trying to search every little nook and cranny because like I've played enough FromSoft games that I, I know all of their tricks now, right? Like I know where to check for things. I know where ambushes are going to be. This world is so large. It's almost like uh, like I had to take a mental break just to reset. Uh, it's just it's it's that there's that much content so i have a question about that do you think um well first of all actually i'm going to bring it back to aaron i wonder if we should all like give our review like what do we think of the game because we're just talking about like you know how many hours we put into it and stuff like should we give our high level big picture yeah our high level thoughts uh I think that this game is is feels like the proper successor to Dark Souls that neither Dark Souls 2 or 3 did because it it builds upon a large, extremely intricately crafted open world that's very non-linear and those other games were a lot more linear than the original game. Um, I like it. I think it's probably top three from, I would say. I would say I'd put it right next to Dark Souls and Sekiro as the sort of trinity of, of them, which uh, I think it's good. I think occasionally some enemies do some weird shit where they, like, sometimes enemies track you when they're like they they start charging, and they're in a charge. They're committed physically to an act, and then you sidestep, and then they spin in the charge. Like just weird shit like that happens, and I'm like, ugh, this feels cheap. So little moments where I feel like it's cheap, but for the most part, pretty good game. Sorry, that was longer than it should have been. Um, well, I guess uh, I'll go next. Um, my my high le- my high level level thoughts. I'm just gonna say up front. I don't think the combat's as good as Sekiro. I think uh, I think Sekiro actually fixed a lot of the problems that uh, that yeah, other Dark, totally so- Dark Souls game had like uh, that I'm seeing pop up here uh, however I love just about everything else um, I think it's a masterpiece I, I'm blown away by it it might be too big but that almost feels beside the point because I think that's kind of the point that Miyazaki's going for. He's He wants to overwhelm you with this hostile world where you're in the presence of demigods and uh, celestial beings. So I get that. But overall, like the sense of wonder I have in this game and just the lore, like I'm, I'm having the Bloodborne moment again 
where I find myself when I'm not playing the game, I'm looking at my phone and reading about characters and reading about locations and reading about their backstory. It's like Bloodborne all over again. So I, I love this game. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, I 100% agree. I don't think combat is as refined as it was in Sekiro. I mean, that was just masterclass, in my opinion. Um, or even, you know, I uh, I thought Bloodborne was actually really well done. I, I really loved the uh, transform weapons, uh, uh, guns, all that kind of stuff. But there's so much that Elden Ring does that uh, the, the sum of its parts, I think make it if not the best at least second place your what was your first place again i can't remember i uh it's it's really hard it's either dark souls or bloodborne um dark souls just just sort of it hit that right moment when you realized that a a world could be designed so well and by far the first half of the game is just pure perfection. Um, I might actually put Bloodborne in front of Dark Souls just because uh, the entire world, the lore, uh, the gameplay t- to me was um, by far the best. But Elden Ring, that's, uh, that is possibly the new reigning champ. But th- there is some recency bias to that. Right. I mean, it's 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 the best it's best looking game they've ever done. It has all these new mechanics. I'm playing it a ton. Uh, let's see, in a couple of years, you know how it how it actually uh, weighs in. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm sorry. I'll get, we'll get, I'll get to help. I'll, I'll toss it off to you, Kevin. Um, but I just wanted to say that, like again, I just want to reiterate, Bloodborne is the only game that I've ever played where I cared about the lore so deeply that I was just like reading essays about it and i'm finding myself doing the same thing with elden ring and i think that alone is worth mentioning but anyway uh, kevin what what did you think of it or what do you think of it currently um i think it's fantastic i i was i was a little astounded by the reviews because because it's at like a 97 on ps5 and i was just thinking like man that's a that's a serious number 97 that's like that's like ocarina of time kind of deal like that's some serious it's 96 now okay but, yeah so some some troll was like we got it someone gotta trolled this. some troll but uh i i uh i did i didn't i went in not knowing anything about it i just seen the initial oh elden ring trailer and that was it so i when i first played it i was like the first thought i had was wow this game is saturated like i can't believe how colorful this is because uh dark souls is a very desaturated depressing environment bloodborne as well um and sekiro is Kind of a I don't know Sekiro is colorful. It's more colorful than the other than the fantasy games, but it's still I don't know. But anyways, the game was super saturated. I was like, wow, it's Dark Souls again. This is so cool. And then I was like, kind of playing it and kind of just feeling like, what 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 is this game? Is it is this Dark Souls? Is it Dark Souls? It's Dark Souls three. Okay, the combat systems are Dark Souls three, but we have callbacks to kind of. It's almost like a celebration of FromSoft. Is how I feel about this. Like. It reminds me uh, a tiny bit. I have to reference. I'm sorry, guys. Of uh, of Twin Peaks season three, they have like this kind of callback <laughs> to everything Lynchian, right? Like it's this kind of like celebration of his all of what his work. What the fuck? Doing. Hang on, let me, let me finish. It's a celebration of kind I of all agree, of his works. I agree, though. And I feel I like this game is that too. There's like all of these things. Like I've noticed there was there's there's this area called Altus, and I'm like I don't know if that's an intentional reference to Atlas, the first publisher for Demon Souls, but it does feel pretty close. <laughs> it's the same word. It's an anagram. 
Um, there's some other things that I'm not going to mention for spoiler reasons that I've, I felt as well. Um, so this game feels like kind of the game that they've been moving like full steam ahead to make for years. Um, from what I understand, they developed it, the co- co-developed it with Sekiro, and I can see why it took so much longer for it to come out because it's just such a massive, engrossing game. Um, and I think it's incredible. I'm not sure where I place it yet. I want to complete it first. Um, I don't even know what my dark, my from software would be. It probably would be Dark Souls one, and then maybe Bloodborne, and and, and this game in there somewhere. That between and Sekiro, I don't know. I can't pick. They're all. It's like picking between the children I don't have. You know, they're all amazing. You know, I can't. I can't pick one. <laughs> I think when you look at the FromSoft ranking, and we won't spend more than another minute on this, but like for me, the, the games that are really doing something unique that's only offered by that game are the, probably the ones that I think are the most important. So it's going to be. For me, it's going to be Dark Souls, Sekiro, and uh, and this game, and, and it probably would be Bloodborne too if I had played more of it. But I think Bloodborne is definitely in that lineage of like the FromSoft games that aren't doing something or, or that are offering something that only those particular games are offering. Whereas like Dark Souls Three is a lot of Dark Souls One and Bloodborne, and some of these other games are a little more retready. Dark Souls Two had the best PvP system they'd ever had. Can we agree on that? Come on. Except for that soul memory yeah. bullshit. But come on, did you ever golf swing anyone off the bridge with this Y-hander? That's like, that's like one of the best things of all time <laughs> in Dark Souls 2. It's incredible. Yeah, Dark Souls 2, was, they're all great. They're all great. I mean, uh, Demon Souls, amazing. Demon Souls looks and, and Demon better. Souls uh, well. Demon Souls Remastered So prettier looking. I want to mention this too, because we're talking about this in a big picture from soft way. Uh, if you look at Demon yeah. Souls, Dark Souls, and Dark Souls 2, they're all kind of like... Dark Souls 2, to a lesser extent, but they're kind of very similar in how they play, the timing of the rhythm of the games. And then after that, you have Bloodborne. And Bloodborne changed mm-hmm. everything, in my opinion. Everything, Bloodborne kind of, like, put it closer to the spectacle fighter. Not that it is, but it put it closer because everything was a little faster. The uh, commit to attack isn't as heavy. Like, you can attack and move out of it quicker. It seems like everything's a little faster. Uh, Dark Souls 3 was very much in this lineage as well, and this game seems to follow heavily in that. This game seems to be completely... Dark Souls 3, in my opinion. It was like if you made Dark Souls 3 in open world is what, is what this game seems to be. Yeah, I also uh, think um, a lot of the concepts of uh, Bloodborne in particular carry over to Elden Ring because um, one thing that I love about Bloodborne is that, um, and speaking incredibly vaguely and generally, a lot of uh, that game is about people trying to achieve divine status and then something goes wrong and they like transform in a way that's like kind of like infected or like messed up and this game has a lot of themes like that as well um like people trying to reach demigod status or like demigods like uh becoming uh you know infected or like festering and just like not the versions they used to be like um so i just think it's cool seeing and, and then on top of that you're like this little player this little tarnished and you're in the presence of these like cosmic phenomena that's happening this like world gone awry and uh i i'm feeling a lot of bloodborne um in that kind of in those concepts i like the amount of body horror that yes. is involved in the world uh that's to, to me that's that's very bloodborne-esque I mean, can we we can talk about the mm. first the first lord, right? Because that's not spoiler. That's 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 like the limit, right? The first boss, the Godric, Godric? Gave me heavy heavy of uh, yeah, Ludwig yeah. vibes. Like even the way he transforms mid fight, changes weapon, and suddenly fights differently. I was like, oh, 
Like I was, he almost even says, "Ah, you've been by my side all along." Like he almost says that to the. So it was like, okay, is this is this a callback? He had very much body horror, disgusting kind of monster, right? Yeah, he uh, he he so doesn't he like sew the body parts of tarnish to him to become a more powerful person? Like that's his thing. That's why he's called Godric the Grafted. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great. <laughs> he's a great character. Just a great. Like that whole place is just fucked up. <laughs> I so, love I love Stormvale. I wasn't sure, and I haven't beaten the whole game, but it doesn't seem like all in all the world is isn't is quite in is in as bad shape as it was in Dark Souls. Dark Souls there was like just kind of like some people who can't die fighting over like dirt, basically. Like there's just like nothing left. This world seemed like there's a little more Dark Souls is way more bleak. Yeah, Dark yeah. Souls is v- like it's the bleakest in the whole series by a margin, yeah. I would say. Dark Souls are Bloodborne, I think, are both like in their own way very just like depressing. And de- but this game feels like there's a little more fantasy, a little more like hope, a little mm. more like quote infrastructure, a little bit. I mean, at the same uh, time, it's kind of bright I, souls, right? I, I will say, like aesthetically, it's less depressing than Bloodborne and Dark Souls. Uh, saying this without spoiling anything, but like this, the, I think this world has like a sense that things have gone horribly wrong. It's just not as in your face. It's like more. It's a more aesthetically pleasing. Things have gone totally wrong. If that, if that, yeah. Well, it, it's almost like we're we're in the beginning of things going horribly wrong. Whereas Dark Souls, yeah. you're at the end right. of it. It's uh, yeah, like the the, the world is already decimated. I want to mention a couple things about Dark Souls Three. Uh, so if if you haven't played Dark Souls Three or The Ring City, potential minor spoilers of themes. No no big plot spoilers, but. Well, maybe I don't know. If you're in, if that's a spoiler for you, don't listen. But I do want to talk about because I think it relates to this game. Uh, skip ahead skip five ahead minutes five if minutes, you don't yeah. listen. Yeah, uh, skip a bit, brother. So the um, the in Dark Souls Three Ring City is this very meta kind of exploration of the entire franchise. Um, you kind of like you start out in Dark Souls Three in the Ring City, then you go to Dark Souls Two, and you go to Dark Souls One, and then you go like before Dark Souls, right? Like that's like that's the Ring City itself. It's like the like before, right? Um, and in the whole, the whole theme of, the, of both DLCs is like this painter needs you have to collect paint for the painter so they can paint a new thing because everything else is rotten and terrible. And like uh, I remember whenever they asked Miyazaki about Dark Souls Three, he was like, "This is the last project that was started before I was president." And he keep I kept he kept saying that I think to be like I wouldn't have made this game if I had the choice, but I'm gonna make it great nonetheless. But it seems like he was kind of like, "Yeah, we want to do something new." Um, and in Dark Souls 3, they keep having this theme of, like, resurrection. Like, things are coming back from the old era. Like, these, these old heroes are coming back. These old gods are coming back. The player is a hero who's come back from the dead or whatever, right? And uh, the final boss is, like, a like kind of a thing of all the... Basically, I felt like this game was, like, in a meta thing of, like, hey, we are making a new Dark Souls game. We're going to revitalize it, though. It's going to be different. It's not going to be the same thing. But we're going to... Because it does feel like Aaron basically stole my line of saying, like, this is, this is the true sequel to Dark Souls 1. Because I think that's exactly how I felt. And I, I felt like Dark, Dark Souls 3, like they were kind of saying that they were going to do that and kind of like lead into that. And I feel like this game, they actually did it, which is really cool. So and that was a lot of <laughs> words. It was a lot of words, Kevin. Uh, no, that, that, that was good. I, I think it's in, in more than just the big picture ways. There's a lot of things that Dark Souls 1 did that other Souls games haven't done 
maybe Sekiro did a little bit. Like this game has a lot of verticality and sort of like moments where you get like vertigo and fear of heights. Like yes. in Dark Souls One, you're constantly fighting on the edge of a cliff and you're like, you're, you're constantly, your stomach is constantly turning because you're like, oh my god, I'm about to fall to my mm-hmm. fucking death. Like throughout the whole game, and it just adds this extra level of dread. And then they just never did that again. And that's not all over the place in this game, but there's there's lots of hints of it. The weird huge sprawl, like. I've heard a lot of people talk about how older Dark Souls games were linear and like this game is not linear and I'm like maybe maybe Bloodborne was linear maybe Dark Souls 3 is linear but like it, this just feels like like playing this game now feels like Dark Souls felt to play 10 years ago for me it's like the same sense of like every corner there's something you can just go in all these different directions uh, it's just so much more yeah completely Sekiro and Blood. Uh, I like how they're. Uh, I was just gonna say Sekiro and Bloodborne are more like linear Metroidvanias, uh, I would say, but or that style. I felt anyway, like Sekiro say, wasn't Mike? though. It's like Sekiro, you could go all sorts of different ways. It's something you could go to like, you know. Could always go two or three. Yeah, I think. but that's Dark Souls one as well, or Dark Souls two. You can go like four different paths rather than. Sure. Dark Souls one, you can often go many paths. I Dark feel Souls like. one, you can go to the catacombs. You can go to Blight Town. You can go to Undeadburg. They did have the magical barriers, though. Like, those were... Yeah. Uh, and uh, Anne Orlando was cut off from you. What I've really enjoyed about Elden Ring is the fact that there there are less barriers mm-hmm. in the way. Um, I've, I've come up across a couple edges, of course, right? Uh, but when I was playing in the beginning, uh, and I mistakenly went up against the first boss... Uh, like level 15 Mm, classic Uh, i think we all did that i think i beat him at level 15 yeah but well i am uh i am despite all the hours i put in i'm actually not that good Mm. uh so my daughter and i must have uh tried to co-op him at least 20 times Mm -hmm. and there was maybe one time we got him down to like 20 25 percent but that was it and we, we were done so I just started exploring, and I found out I could go around the castle. Mm-hmm. I found out that I could just keep going anywhere. And that's what's been so nice. I feel like it's to my detriment, because I'm probably missing lore, or I'm not maybe following along correctly. But the game lets me do it, so I'm going to. And I found um, catacombs, uh, places to mine, um, upgrade materials... And it's it's been a blast. And so by the time I, I got back to that boss, uh, it, it was it was so trivial. Oh. <laughs> was, uh, the game doesn't have an easy mode, but there is definitely uh, uh, a way to trivialize early bosses. Are you talking about Godric or uh, Margaret? Margaret. Okay. So, okay. so yeah, yeah. No. Uh, I was just. I go, think. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say like I don't think there is a correct way to play this game, and that's yeah. what I'm really really enjoying about it is that like I didn't even fight Godric till I had literally been to every I didn't even know he was there I somehow missed him I found a way past him and I'd already been to basically all I don't want to say all but I've been to multiple places like multiple continents and uh, explored a lot and killed other bosses and then I went back and he was he was super trivial because I was way over leveled for him but um, yeah like I feel like I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing in this game right now uh, other than just by pushing forward and finding stuff like it's very there's very little signposting and I, and I really like that uh, I will say mm-hmm. though if you are lost there is a specific NPC who typically points you in the right direction I won't say quite, who but quite you'll know who NPC. he is 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he, the, he literally, he'll literally like lay it out for you if you're truly lost. But I won't say who that who it is. There is. Yeah, also there is. the grace also does that as well. The, you know, the grace does. does, but the grace points all over the fucking place. There's like it's like pointing it's like pointing 500 different ways. So I'm like, okay, like there's always something there, but it's like, what's the golden path? Well, the golden path is following the bonfires. So, like the, uh, what right. um, is your guys's favorite part? of the world because in my opinion I feel like this game is in terms of its world design I haven't I don't know if I've seen a game that feels is engaging in, in every piece of it like the dungeons are like master class because they've been making they, Front Stop's been making dungeons for like five games now they're making them for like ten years right the open world is somehow one of the most engaging mysterious interesting worlds i've ever seen i feel like everywhere i go there's something there's like a new monster there's like a new thing there's something weird happening there's just always something to see yeah so i'm like i want to say the dungeons are my favorite part but i don't even know if that's true i feel like everything in the world has just been so incredibly well made it's like it's astounding honestly i'm like blown away by it Uh, the world is huge and i am so impressed with the diversity like every area has its own you know little little monsters Yeah. yeah and for, for the most part, unique bosses. Uh, the dungeons reuse a lot of bosses, but I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I've said before, the, the, the Chalice dungeons in Bloodborne were at my absolutely favorite part. Mm-hmm. And there was only about like eight different bosses for those. I just loved beating them over yeah. and over and over again. So I, I absolutely enjoy uh, how short and sweet catacombs are. Like they're not, uh, you don't have to dedicate a whole afternoon to it. Right, like I, I know over my lunch break, I can I can fire up Elden Ring, do a catacomb, uh, co-op the boss with a couple of people, finally beat it myself, and it's done. I'm richly rewarded, and it's it's a fun little experience. I think uh, to answer Kevin's question, um, like my favorite thing about the open world, one thing that I really love about it is that Bloodborne is a game that I really love, but one thing that one criticism I have with it is that, and maybe it's because I just wasn't used to from software games when I played it, but sometimes like the NPC interactions and like what you have to do with them, they were, they were just like a little too obscure. Like you would have to really think about it and really read the item descriptions um, to figure out what to do. But I think Elden Ring makes it just a touch more obvious. So like 90% of the time when I find an item, and I, I'm like, maybe I should give it to this NPC to see what happens. Or I go to an area and be like, maybe I should talk to this NPC after going to this area. It usually works out. Like, they make it just a little bit more obvious mm-hmm. in terms of what to do. And I, that's something that I think From Software has really improved on in the open world. And to Mike's point, um, I totally agree about the Chalice Dungeons. I really love, uh, or the Catacombs, is because I noticed that I can get a lot done in an hour in this game. And uh, that you can't really mm-hmm. say that about a, lo- a lot of FromSoft games. I think like I, in an hour or like an hour and a half, you can do a catacomb. You can try a boss again. You can upgrade yourself. You can do some lore. You can do a surprising amount in a short amount of time. Kevin, you look like you you got something. Uh, I was gonna let you uh, answer what I what I was asking, but I oh what were you asking? Oh, just what was your favorite part of the open world? Oh, uh, I mean, these guys are already saying just like, so people have keep saying this is like Breath of the Wild. I don't know if that's true or not, but my understanding because I haven't even played Breath of the Wild is is that you can go somewhere, you can kind of go in any direction and find something that's bite-sized, like Warren and Mike were just saying. And like this game has lots of 
bite-sized adventures to go on that are entirely self-directed that the game isn't forcing you to do and you can totally skip if you want um and yeah finding finding one of those uh, catacombs or finding like a ruin and just finding the the basement and going down there and seeing what, what's up or or like a little tower um i don't know you feel pretty richly rewarded for like fine tooth combing every square inch even though it sounds like maybe you guys are getting a little a little fatigued from from going over it with the with the fine tooth comb but <laughs> the the I, game might be too long in my opinion it might be a little too big and i know that's kind of not beside the point but i will say especially like in the final like 20 hours of the game i started to feel i started to feel the fatigue a little bit but um but i i don't know like at some point i think you just have to be like i'm not gonna see everything i just gotta finish the game um, mm-hmm. That's where how I feel. As someone who regularly puts two to three hundred hours per FromSoft game, this is like a dream come true for me. It's just like, oh, there's yeah. like endless, <laughs> endless FromSoft for me. So <laughs> there's just like so much to do. <laughs> yeah. um, I do want to mention. I won't say anything about the zone itself, but I just want to mention. There's a zone called Kalid Swamp of Aonia. I won't say anything else about it. But basically, it just reminds me of um, a painter I really like. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name perfectly, but his name is Bikinski, and he has this very like red kind of like surreal nightmare escapes. And I really feel like that zone like really captures that style, and I just love the way it looks. Like I, I when I first went there, it was so dangerous and so scary. Like it just felt like such a dangerous place, and the monsters are also super powerful. Yeah. Um. So I just uh. I, I was like basically where I spent like most of my game already is there. I just like was I was getting dying tons because it's it's the power creep there is very high compared to the starting zone. But it, I just had to explore it as much as possible. Um, I feel like every time you and I played together, Kevin, yeah. you were in that area. That's the like it's like uh, that was the only place you had ever summoned me. <laughs> I just couldn't get you enough. You were trying of to get me to go there too. Get such a terrifying area. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the music there. I don't think I've I, I have experienced true terror uh, in a, in a long time in a video game, except for when I uh, suddenly arrived yeah. in that place, <laughs> and it was it was horrifying. Like to realize you're cut off from fast travel, uh, you you you're just blindly, panically running to any sort of uh, uh, sight of grace. It was it was mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. I, I that, also that wanna... is amazing. A... It's an amazing part of the game. It is, isn't it? I also yeah. want to mention that uh, playing this game, I kind of had this like understanding of, of even though it's like it seems obvious, I just it was obvious. It, I understand to me at least, whether it's obvious to you guys or not. Maybe, maybe you guys already knew this, but like the whole game, you're always. And this is true of most of their games. You're always basically playing by your enemies' rules. Like you can never overpower them with sheer brawn. Not usually. Um, you have to your attacks. They always can hyper armor through your attacks. They do more damage than you. They have more health than you. So you have to master their stuff. And there's something that mm-hmm. I find somewhat me- frustrating, but also meditative about it. Like once you fight a boss and you know exactly what attacks are coming, like this is true to all, pretty much every FromSoft game. I mean, I can think of multiple Sekiro bosses that are just like this. That when you get into that flow of just like, like took what Aaron was saying when you fight the final boss of Sekiro, like you become the boss and you can just kind of smash them, even though you're weaker. I never get tired of that. I've been doing that for like 10 yeah. years now and it's just as true with this game as it was with their other games and the bosses are all just as well designed as ever i have two things to say about that uh one uh that's what i'm loving about new game plus i like i always love playing from soft games on new game plus because it's like the victory lap uh 
mm-hmm. you know, because it's like all these bosses <laughs> that destroyed you your first playthrough, you're now destroying them. You're the master now, as uh, Aaron said on the Sekiro podcast. It's like, you are the master now. So I totally agree with that. Um, the second thing, though, I have played this game for almost 80 hours. I still am terrible at the Crucible Knights. I That enemy type drives me insane. They're like the marauders of Elden Ring, but fuck those guys. I hate I'm not them. sure if I've fought them or not. <laughs> you'll you'll know what I'm they sure are I when will. you see them. I haven't fought them yet. I just googled them and I don't I don't okay. know what that character well, is. Well, have fun have fun <laughs> with those. They're actually in Limgrave and they're act, I think there's one in oh. Stormvale potentially. Yeah, there is. So, are have they, fun when you fight them. They're great. They're, they're a not lot the, of fun. Are they the banished knights who like have uh, the attacks? Yeah, I believe okay. so. Yeah, they, they they have the giant shield and the sword. I am a strength build. I like to hit things with the giant sword. So uh, my brother is a magic build, and he has way less trouble with them. But um, oh, for yeah. the strength build characters, they're really hard. Um, hmm. So anyway. you fight one in Godric's castle, like in a dark room. Uh, is no, that sound? No? no, that's not. That's not a. No. That's like a cuckoo. That's knight. just a regular knight. The um, banished knight. But there, there yeah. is one hidden somewhere in um, Stormvale. But they're they're all over the place. You're gonna see them multiple times in the game. Okay, I'll keep my eye hmm. for them. Are they as bad they're as the, um, the the lanterns of Bloodborne? The ones that give you fury over those enemies with like the swollen heads. Oh, you mean? Are you talking about the big brain <laughs> guys? Yes. yes. That High like do the creepy singing like. Oh, yeah. Fuck those guys. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> winter lanterns. The winter lanterns. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's anything as bad as that yeah. so far. Fuck those guys. So far, I mean, like, like when you first get rot, that's probably yeah. a horrible experience. But uh, getting frenzy in Bloodborne was absolutely Nightmare. nightmarish. Um, those those also, enemies are brilliant, though, in Bloodborne. They they're are. like my favorite. They're my favorite enemy design in the whole game, in any FromSoft <laughs> game, really. Amazing. I um. So yeah. I was thinking this game is selling well. Uh, I think there's a high chance for, that they'll do DLC. For, uh, Bandai Namco usually does three with them. That's been the, that's been the, the path. Well, they did one for... But anyways, I'm not going to go through it. But they, they, they probably do three DLCs. If I could have any DLC, I would have them remake the Chalice Dungeons from Bloodborne, flesh it out even more, because that would make this game playable forever, basically. Because Chalice Dungeons are, like, you know, randomly generated, and there's a lot of content that they... They built a lot of content that... You, like, I really want to say, like, Chalice Dungeons have, like maybe like 30% of the entire game's content just there. Like there's a lot, maybe 40%. Like there's so many bosses and enemies that you don't ever see in the main game. So I think hmm. it could be cool if they do that with this game. I would really like to do that. Do some deep Chalice Dungeon diving. I'm trying to figure... Chalice yeah. Dungeons were also the only way to get uh, yeah. high level That's true. Uh, right. gems. Right. The, the only way. Hmm. And so you had to grind those because it was all random. And sometimes you'd get one like like twenty seven percent physical up, right? Which is which is what you would really want, and then it'd be cursed, right? So it'd like deplete your HP or something, something horrible. You'd have to do it all over again. Yeah. So far, I don't notice anything like that in Elden Ring, where it's it, it's a random chance kind of upgrade material, right? Like everything's pretty static, like Ashes mm-hmm. of War, uh, Smithing Stones. Uh, the the uh, the the flowers to upgrade your little your little spirits. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, everything seems to be sort of like more traditional. I will yeah. say mm-hmm. I like never craft anything ever. 
I just never feel like crafting. I just like <laughs> like every time I want to upgrade my character, I'll just like sell all my crafting materials. But I will uh, keep the smithing stones and I will keep the uh, glove wart um, flowers for the spirits. But everything else just goes. <laughs> but it's funny because it's so funny watching other people play this game because they'll, they'll play it so differently. Like my brother, he's a mage. He keeps all of his armor and everything. He keeps everything. And I am not that type of person. I like to sell everything that I don't need, which sometimes is not good because mm. <laughs> sometimes an NP sometimes with certain NPCs, like if you give them a piece of armor, something will happen. But um, I uh, but yeah, it's funny seeing how other people play this game, and I'm like, wow, I do not play this game this way. So <laughs> hmm. it's true. And on that point, I wanted to mention just also with uh, in comments in regards to the game scope. Uh, I uh, everyone I know who I'm close with, even people I just work with, are playing this game, and they all seem to have said, "Oh, did you do this?" And I said, "No, where's that?" <laughs> like, "Oh, it's in Limgrave." I'm like, "Wait, what? I feel like I covered all of Limgrave." How did I miss that? So did like, I. Everyone had a different anecdote of things that I hadn't seen yet, um, like just five hours into the game. And it was just like, that really just is a test of how big the game is. Just, jeez, impressive. There, yeah. I do like how detailed the map is. So I use like just a lot of the little visual cues on the map to find you know new and interesting things to do. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, like just Tolkien-esque mm-hmm. yeah. work of art. And, like, every time I'm just sort of trying to find how to access an area, like, I constantly, like, oh, there's a path here. And uh, when you when you unlock map pieces, you know, and it, and it reveals the whole thing, you just, you, you notice that everything there is uh, intentional. Like, it, it has a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's genius, right? Like, it, 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 it kind of to compare it, uh, Kevin, you made a really great point in a previous podcast about the Neo games. And uh, the Neo games, when you, like, get, uh, when you open up a chest, it's all, like, RNG, like, you just get loot. And it kind of robs the sense of storytelling, right? Like, even where you find, like, an item in, like, a sewer somewhere, there's a story behind that, right? That was thought out by Miyazaki. And it's, uh, it's really amazing how they do it in this game, truly. I agree. Completely. (laughs) I feel exactly the same way. I remember having that like epiphany moment yeah. in Dark Souls 2 with that. And it was like, oh, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> it's awesome. It's such a better system. Um, it's so fun. So for me, it's funny because I spent so many hours doing, as they call it in WoW, theory crafting, like just deep dive RPG mechanicing Dark Souls 3. And that's been so... I'm playing this game without guides or anything, but just that knowledge is so useful for this game because the game seems to pretty much use Dark Souls 3's RPG mechanics all the way through and through, um, which is pretty uh, funny in that regard. But um, the uh, the other thing I wanted to mention um, really quickly was the fact that the game consistently has music playing, which is something we had in Sekiro mm-hmm. and we didn't have in the other games. So what do you guys think of that? It definitely gives the game a different feeling. Yeah, so at first I was not sure if I loved it because there's a kind of like wistful, like yearning theme playing in Limgrave that I was like, um, oh, I like hmm. that music a lot. I'm not sure. I mean, I like it now, but at first I was like, kind of miss the the solitude that the the quiet brought mm-hmm. in in like Dark Souls. But then you get to other areas in the game, and they have this like uh, Thomas Ligeti, like like the music from uh, 2001. You think of that like at the that like really turbulent violin music playing and like sometimes it really sets the mood very well and it's it's used so 
I actually like it a lot. Like I guess the long story short, like, but it it took a minute for me to get used to it. There are some really great music tracks in this game that I just think are like so hypnotic um, for certain yeah. areas that I won't say, but it's just uh, from soft. They're so good with their music. <laughs> I really feel like it gives the game a very different feeling from Dark Souls, which I think actually was the right move because Dark Souls is all about that like solemn, lonely, no music, just same with Bloodborne. You're, you're alone. alone. You're trapped. You're trapped. Yeah. This game, it's more gives a different vibe. But I love the music in Kaled so much that uh, <laughs> it's probably probably one of the main reasons I just want to spend all my time there. But um, mm. yeah, uh, Mike, what did you think about the fact the game has consistent music all the time, like Sekiro versus the prior games? Uh, I do like it, and I I love. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm such a catacomb yes. and dungeon fanboy. I, I love the dungeon music. Like it has this low rumble that's very yeah. unnerving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it just, it, it, it like the, the, the very first time I heard it, I was just, I was unsettled. Like I, I, I constantly had my guard up and it was, it, it was so perfect for it. I do like it. Every time I go back to dark souls though, I'm reminded how eerie and wonderful the Mm -hmm. quietness is Mm -hmm. and it it just like it always brings me back to the very first time i played it and i was like wow this is such a unique game like i i I don't think there's anything that will ever replace that experience Mm -hmm. like the only music you have is this depressing firelink shrine music which is like (laughs) as dark as it gets (laughs) basically (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah uh it's different what do you guys think of the sight lines in this game like from has been masterful with sight lines going all the way back to like the first reveal of in Orlando, but like it, Dark Souls 3 had tons of amazing sight lines. I'm sure Bloodborne did. Uh, Sekiro is just mm-hmm. full of incredible sight lines, but this game, every direction is like, is just a turbulent, incredible sight line with really good detail paid to the sort of the center, uh, the foreground, the midground, and the foreground, so that you just have this like tapestry every, every fucking direction you look. I was uh, really surprised and impressed by it. Like like you said, like I remember going to Majula for the first time in Dark Souls 2 and just being like, wow, this is gorgeous. Or, or you know, most of Lord Rand Dark Souls 1, Demon's Souls as well. Um, but this game, it does feel like they've done so much planning and thought on every angle. And I'm not even sure how you would do that. Like, it just seems like it would be so hard to get the LOD and everything right from every angle of every part of the game. Like, you'd have to just spend so much time engineering the proportions right at the angles like it just it's incredible i can't believe how gorgeous this game is the whole time i'm looking at this game um i like it's hard to believe that i'm looking at it it just looks so stunning in that regard to be honest i'm a little curious how i'm gonna feel uh like once i'm really used to the world like once i've basically memorized the map will it all of a sudden feel smaller again Mm -hmm. because that was always my experience with the other fromsoft titles is when you're first in Dark Souls, you know you feel like, oh wow, this this is this is a huge space. But once you sort of know the maps, you realize actually it's very tight. It's very small. And Bloodborne, I think, was especially small um, compared to like Dark Souls Two or uh, and Dark Souls Three. But that's just how well they design maps. They make it. it, it it's you know it, it it looks bigger when you're when you're on the inside. It's true. Uh, I'm a little curious if Elden Ring's open world is going to hold up 
uh, like will it always feel as expansive and massive as 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 I think it does right mm. now? Um, I think it will, uh, and yeah, it's just it's a beautiful world. I love how I can look in any direction and go, I want to go there, and I can go there. Can I make I a, also, a? Oh, sorry, well, go for one. Oh, I was just gonna add like really quickly. I also love the feeling of uh, you're traversing through an area and you look back at something and you're like, oh, I was down there. I was down there like just 20 minutes ago, and now I'm up here. I think that's <laughs> always a cool feeling in FromSoft games. This game gives me that feeling uh, more than a game I've had for a long time. Like It reminds me slightly of seeing like Death Mountain from Hyrule Field and Zelda Ocarina of Time like way back when. Um, it does feel like they really nailed that, the, the world scope and, and size like just so well. Very impressed by that. Did you guys have a moment early in the game? I had this moment where I explored Lim, Limgrave, and then I kind of ventured into uh, the, the, we'll say, the Eastern Territory. And I was like, oh, have I just discovered the whole map? Which which clearly I hadn't. But like, and I was like a little like, I was like, oh no. Like you get that feeling when you're playing an open world game where you're like, uh-oh, have I, destroyed, have I explored the whole map? No, I've, I've spoiled it. But then it's like 40 hours into the game, I'm like, oh, I've just found entirely new areas and dimensions and... It's not even close. You know, I don't think I've even explored the whole map yet. So, there's also a fairly large subterranean yeah. area, yeah, which is, which when I realized there's a button on the controller you can click to see, uh, I like I literally just figured that out last night. Uh, there's a button on the con- wait. What? Sorry. No, tell me. Spoilers. Yeah, no, I did not know there was a button on the controller that revealed this. Classic uh, FromSoft moment. Right. <laughs> The right thumbstick, if you uh, press it down. Oh shit! While you're looking at the map, it'll 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 display the subterranean level. But you can't warp there yes, from the can. top world, right? Yes, you what? can. What? Oh, yes. that bothers me. I I kind of liked it when you went to the subterranean world. I thought I was trapped down there. I thought I was too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not. I trapped mean, you're down trapped there. until you find a site of base. Right. But, right. Right. But no, I thought I was trapped from the sites of. Well, yeah. But can I make a uh, okay a, a I, prediction that will probably be wrong? Because I haven't beaten the game yet, and I kind of want to see if I'll be right or wrong. I feel like I'll be wrong, but I, this is a story prediction, and I haven't played enough of the game for the to right. even don't look at all. I, I haven't played enough of the, yeah. Or okay, <laughs> I haven't played enough of this to know, and this is not a spoiler for this game at all. So, um, in Dark Souls One, there's a part in the game where you go underneath the entire world, and you go down on this tree, and you go to this place called Ash Lake, where you can see all these other trees in the distance, and um, people have interpreted that as kind of like this. Uh, that there's this multiple universes of worlds like Dark Souls um, that could exist all within the, each tree. And like I could see a game, in this game going down to a place called something like Ash Lake and being like, oh, maybe there's uh, Dark Souls land over there. Like It seems like this game's world is like close enough where that could happen. I don't know. But I, I'm, I was like, if this game has Ash Lake, I wouldn't be surprised is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm interested in that if, if, that's a, if that's a potential thing. I'm not looking at Orin at all. I'm completely looking my eyes away. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think Orn's been to Lash Lake. Oh, that's in, true. Well, he may not make. He may not have made the connection. But um, I, I, interesting. I do want yeah. to say that the subterranean place has my favorite music in the game. Like just the way mm. it uses. Like <laughs> I think it's either it's a clarinet. Like the clarinet th- that plays is just like ah, it's such good music. I just mm. love it. it. It makes me feel like I'm broaching something that's just beyond my comprehension in that way that FromSoft games always do. The music reminds me quite a bit of Segro. Uh, My only minor mm-hmm. complaint is they don't have a. I believe his, I believe his name is Motoi Sakuraba. 
Uh, he's the Mario Tennis composer who also who did the music also for Dark Souls one and two. Um, he did not. He didn't do. I think he did some of the music for three, but they didn't have him for Sekiro. They don't have him for this game. And he has this specific vibe. I'm pretty sure he composed the original Firelink Shrine music and the Majula music. Um, so I do kind of sadly oh, miss him. Like and the Bloodborne. Because like Dark Souls three's Firelink Shrine music was just not the same as the other two games. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little sad about that because mm-hmm. I do miss that style. But the Demon Souls. He did that too. Uh, I forget what the yeah that song is 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 so classic. Huh? That's just. That's a bummer. I, those are those are yeah. beautiful pieces. Yeah. Uh, I think the Dark Souls one soundtrack is just it's probably yeah. one of the best. Yeah, that and Bloodborne are my favorite. Mm. So to to Aaron's point earlier about the clicking the map thing, my uh, FromSoft moment that I had was my brother was like I was trying to jump across a ledge with Torrent, and I kept falling, and he was like, "Dude, just double jump." And I was like, what? <laughs> Double jump? <laughs> I was like 40 hours into the game, and I just didn't know Torrent could double jump. So that was really... Really? I, I, oh, my gosh. I didn't know. Wow. I just didn't know. So I was like, that was my FromSoft moment of being like, wait, you could do this? What? Having se- You have a very restrained thumb. Can, I can guess just, so. Like, I, I guess I know, so. Like, yeah. like, don't you panic jump all the not. time? I was just like, it's a horse. <laughs> you can only jump once. There's no way it can jump twice. <laughs> it's true. So. I mean, it's a realistic expectation. Can we just make a, a call out about how unexpected and amazing horse platforming is? Like, I never would thought in a million years I'd be saying mounted platforming was incredible, but it's so fun. I love doing it in this game. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Can, it was almost like when, when, when FromSoft introduced swimming in uh, Sekiro. Sekiro, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, how did they do this so well yeah. their first time? And then I, I felt the same way about Torrent. It's like, how did they do this so well without ever doing it before? Like Assassin's Creed has, you know, uh, uh, horses with some, you know, amount of mounted combat. It's and it's boring. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Elden Ring actually uh, does it really well. I, I love sort of like the jousting mm-hmm. aspect. Same. Of it. It's cool yeah. to see the knight enemies actually on a horse for the first time. Like they're like actual yeah. knights now. <laughs> I think I think the moment that I realized that Elden Ring would be one of the greatest games I ever played was when I was jousting with the tree sentinel in like this bright golden mm-hmm. light with golden hues everywhere. Like in that moment I was like this is going to be one of the best games I'm ever going to play. Like I just like that feeling of just trading blows until one of us would eventually fall was just incredible. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, the horse combat's good. I, I went back last night and the night before and played a little bit <clears throat> of Dark Souls 1 and 3. And the one thing that was immediately obvious that was missing was that I couldn't jump. Yeah. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait I want to jump and hat. And like the jumping attacks have become such an integral part of how I play the game. Jumping um, R2, man. I use it all the time. I'm kind of like... Jumping R two, I always jumping R one. I gotta try jumping. With the claymore, R2. it's kind of like a jumping like pancake smash. It's pretty satisfying. Yeah, it's great because it it it, it does all of the mm. posture damage without any of the wind up. So it's <laughs> it's it's kind of a cheat, right? Hmm. Because if you do the heavy attack, uh, it there, there, there's a build up, there's a charge to it. But if you do a jump heavy attack, it does like the same amount of damage, but it's faster. That's interesting. Have you guys tried the Zweihander? I haven't yet, actually. No, I haven't, and and I didn't. Okay. Um, that thing, 
fucking wrecks. That's like <laughs> wielding a goddamn semi truck. Every enemy gets gets stammered by it, and you're just like, Hurrah! and you just. It, it, I was using it today, and I was like, oh, this is my new favorite weapon. Uh, this thing, it's super slow, but it hits. It's like you're swinging a fucking truck, basically. You just wreck everybody. Everybody gets knocked back. It's back I to the Dark like Souls the one level. I like Blood Fang or something. That's the one I use. It's like this big curved sword that I like to use. Mm. Mm. So I was initially using the Claymore. Mm. And as I do in nearly every FromSoft title, it's just like since my second playthrough of Dark Souls and on, I've always mm. used the Claymore. And I finally decided that I was, I, I, I was going to stop staying in my comfort zone. So now I'm using the Great Stars mace. And that thing, probably similar to the Zwei Hander, it hits like a truck, and it has uh, bleed buildup. Oh, the bleed's so good! So it is, it is nasty. It is brutal. It's, it's a lot slower. So like my mounted combat, like I, I have to plan a little bit more. But it's, it's, it's been a blast. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad I, I sort of stepped out of my normal comfort zone as far as uh, weapons. I did the goes. same thing. Like, in Dark Souls, I was like, oh, Claymore all the way, and then I got to Bloodborne, I used uh, Ludwig's until I got to the DLC, which I'm like, oh, the Moonlight Sword. Let me use this the whole game. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that poke, man. So this time, I was using the Claymore up to getting a, uh, changing my my build to Dex Int, and I'm now using a Katana, so now I've gone from Bloodborne Dark Souls to Sekiro. So... <laughs> I- I guess for me, for Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3, I used, like, a light sword, like, kind of more of a dagger to do quick attacks. But for this one, I'm doing more, like, big-ass sword pounding people into submission. <laughs> that's Very like, fun. The, the, that's, it's really good. It, it's fun just going, like, bam, bam, bam. And, like, it's almost like, like you're slapping someone across mm-hmm. the face multiple times, just but with a big sword instead. I, I love that. <laughs> so I... I'm also using a uh, offhand weapon, and it's a ra- it's a very lightweight rapier that does rot uh, build up. Nice, mm. and that is that is a nasty little bit of fun. Mm. Uh, I I actually got invaded once, and I switched over to that really quick. And the the panic that sets in when they realize they 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 now have rot is is beautiful. <laughs> it was it was so funny. That's great. Uh. Speaking of PvP, have you guys done much co-op or invasions or been invaded? I mean, I guess you said you got invaded once, but... I, I've, I've done, done a, a lot of, of yeah. all of them. Um, I've had some luck with invasions. I've had some bad gank squads getting invasions, too. Um, the Claymore wasn't doing so well for PvP for me, so that's probably why I switched over. Mm. But um, I have to say, the I can tell there needs to be some balance in this game. I remember them having to do a lot of balance in Dark Souls 3 and 2. Um uh, and yeah. currently I think a lot of the FP moves are very spammy and very powerful in PvP, so people kind of tend to do a spam FP mm. move, so I'm hoping, or I guess they're called weapon, mm-hmm. not weapon arts, what are they called in this game? I'm using Dark Souls 3 lingo Solar? Ashes of War, of War. so oh, people Ashes tend to War, spam yeah. Ashes of War a lot uh, I'm, they're going to have to get fixed I think but um, there's this frost axe that's super overpowered right now in PvP people kind of sp- spam the stomp hmm. uh, and it inflicts frostbite mm-hmm. so that's kind of what's the current like pvp meta so i'm hoping that um they'll fix it but i have they won't fix that until they fix the performance so it could be a little bit we'll see so yeah yeah so i haven't but, been doing a lot of pvp but i've been writing tons of messages and appraising mm, tons of mm. messages that's what i've been doing but i'm sorry kevin i got you, you the lost. one leaving Fortnite <laughs> everywhere no i'm the one i'm the guy who uh <laughs> my favorite note to put in the game is when you uh like go to a corner thinking there's going to be an item there 
and there's nothing there mm. and then you just write on the ground why is it always futility and then you just do the gesture mm. of ah <laughs> those are always my favorite <laughs> so i've written down one message and that was in a dungeon and it was just like the classic be be wary of right, right. Mm. because there's like one of those little imps that jumps out that gets liked constantly and so i i just get free heals all the time it's great like i'll be in a boss fight and all of a sudden i've got full health it's awesome that's that's a good tactic i uh i I also just on that note i wanted just to commence from again on this for building a huge scope open world game and then also making it multiplayer so like every cave and dungeon Mm -hmm. are their own multiplayer versus levels and co-op dungeons and the whole world is also multiplayer so that's a very impressive technical feat to pull off, and it seemed like on launch day, other than some disconnects which I've had, it seemed to have mostly just worked. I didn't have a lot of issues. I got some disconnects, but it... Not for me. I've had some big problems with co-op. Uh-huh. I, uh, I'm i playing on, play- on PlayStation 5 with the PS4 version and back compat, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the time I will take my little uh, humanity thing, and then the summon stones will appear for a second. I'll start clicking on them and it'll say unable to summon, unable to summon, and then they'll yeah. disappear. I think it's people mm-hmm. summoning and then I reboot the game. So many people are playing. I guess it's happening. I don't know, man. I, it, I've had some issues, but I've had some... I have pretty good success getting summoned. I've had it really hard to summon people to the point that I'm almost just not mm-hmm. doing it. Um, so, like, I'm not, I'm not sure why it was this area for me specifically, but I was helping people fight uh, Commander O'Neill. Fuck that guy. And every every session that I joined, I would I would get booted. Mm. Every single one. Like I didn't finish that fight with anyone. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. And then I finally summoned someone in and it was fine, but I have no idea maybe that was just a super busy area. Uh, maybe I was pinned to a bad set of servers, who knows. Mm. That fight, man. I'm not without spoiling it, but that was one of my like I can, can I beat this guy moments like <laughs> See, I had that for the, for the great lord boss. of that zone. The the lord of that zone gave me yeah. a problem. Gotcha. Died a lot of times to that boss. Eventually got him, but uh, if you notice that if you if you press start, you can actually see where all the multiplayer battles are happening. It'll show you like where the busy zones are. There's a button that shows show it multiplayer. Will? Yeah, statuses. It'll show you where oh. all the hot spots oh, wow. are, where the invasions and blues are happening. So if you, I've done some invasions i've also done some uh helping people with the blue co-op ring uh you can go into those areas and and just get right into pvp sessions yeah oh i need to get the blue ring i've done some invasions in catacombs and let me tell you invading in catacombs with traps is extremely fun to deploy the traps against people uh you can pretty much just like because it's always a 3v1 when you invade like it just is like a 3v1 every single time um but if you have those traps you can like i've won several 3v1s i'm almost out of uh, in, invasion fingers, sadly. I don't even know where I'm going to get more. But, uh, yeah, the catacombs are really, really good for invasions. Um, let me. I like that uh, invaders can be damaged by the world. So there was a... Uh, it wasn't a boss, like there wasn't a fog wall, but there was a mini boss that I was fighting. And I summoned someone in because I knew I was just going to get pancaked. Uh Little did I realize, I, w- I then got invaded as I was fighting this boss. Uh. And so they, so the invader killed my summon, and uh, I, I, I'm now dodging a boss that's uh, on, on horseback. 
and I'm dodging this invader who shoot, who's, they're just throwing everything at me, right? They're throwing uh, uh, ashes of war. They're shooting me with the bow. Like, I'm just panic rolling. And then the boss just <laughs> killed him. Just one hit. And it was, and then I killed the boss. Like, the, at that point in the fight, you know, uh, the, the boss had about, you know, a third health left. Uh, but I did it. And that was probably one of the greatest victories so far in Elden Ring. That's satisfying. <laughs> It's great. Very satisfying. I think the best way an invader could go out, right, is to a boss by accident. That's yep. amazing. Do you remember we got invaded in that cave with the mega bear? With like this, that very powerful bear, and uh, the that yeah, bear was a and the bear killed the invader. He swung and he killed him. Yeah. Yeah, him that's by right. Accident, so. The, the, okay, the grizzly bears are the other enemy type in this game that I never got good at. The They're rune just, bear, even big, on New Game mm. Plus, like they almost always wreck me. Like I have to be really careful. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're so powerful. hard, <laughs> and they're so relentless. They, they have just, the same like, moveset as stop. the uh, the they apes. Just won't stop. For me, it's the uh, it's the uh, the trees, the tree avatars. Uh, there's some powerful ones. Wow, well, those other guys are hard. Those mm. guys are really hard. And those yeah. are the asi- those are the asylum demons from Dark Souls, like clear and clear yeah, as day. The are. same move set. I know that move set very well, and they still kill me. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was funny when when you pointed it out because we yeah. were you know Kevin and I were uh, co-oping one of these, and it was just a particular nasty version. <laughs> and uh, yeah, really. And I thought it was funny that you pointed out, like, how many times have we beaten this boss, like in Dark Souls? And it's trivial, but yet this one was just giving yeah, us so much him. trouble. Oh, wait, you guys are fighting them on foot? Yeah. Yeah. That's well, the mistake. Because when you stop, you cop, you can't. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Yeah, those guys are way easier on a horse. They're still hard as fuck. I swear, uh, one of those bosses I got to, like, zero health. Like, no color left in his bar. Two times in a row, and he killed me, because they... A lot of bosses do this thing where they go, like, super scion right at the very yeah. end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I keep falling for it. I'm not falling for it anymore, but I was falling for it a lot the first probably 25 hours of the game. Uh, That's what daggers are for. Daggers? Oh, chuck it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. smart. Of course. Oh, God, that's, like, that's such a Sekiroism. I like that. Duh! I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that. That's awesome. I, <laughs> I use them on, on players yeah, that's too. Awesome. When, when they invade, throw a little dagger when they go to heal. Nail them mm-hmm. on those. Mm-hmm. Stagger them. That's so smart. Wow. Yep. I should do that. Yep. Quite useful. And uh, you you can craft little little, little bone daggers. So that that may be the one thing that you right. consistently craft. <laughs> Yeah, and you can also craft the the uh, summoning humanities. I forget what they're called. The something fingers. Yeah, but uh, you can craft poison daggers, and you can you can craft the fire grease and the bleed grease, and I guess probably the rot grease if there is such a thing. Magic grease. Yeah, there is. Uh, yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oren, you're you're fucking up by not crafting. You're like like if you don't want to engage with it, I get it. They're like, uh, do you guys have some some negative things to say about this game? criticisms i feel like i already said mine um look i cleared my first playthrough in 73 hours i beat sekiro three times in that time frame (laughs) and uh i think that's that goes to show why elden ring's amazing but also because the game demands a lot from you like sometimes 
just doing the open world and then fighting like seven hard bosses in a row just like back to back can be a lot in this game so i know that's like part of the design of the game but also um i think it could in some ways it makes it less accessible than other from soft games because it's like difficulty by attrition um but um mm-hmm. yeah so that that's my biggest criticism but oh but it's amazing yeah I, the one thing i've noticed is i am not playing this game in massive i'll play it in for four or five hours which i guess is a totally massive chunk but like I will often play for an hour or two and just be like, okay, I need to take a break from this game and just step away. Mm-hmm. But like, there's never been a one or two hour chunk that I played that I didn't feel like I got a lot done. Like it was, it was, it's always been satisfying. Um, I think if I was trying to play the game like really just super dedicated, you know, full time job status, it would, it would irk me. That's fair. It's definitely one of those games that you have to kind of play in chunks, but. I'm insane, and I like to devour these games and just eat and breathe them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a short list of dislikes. Mm. Uh, mostly it's surrounding no ultra-wide support, um, shader compilation issue, and I think mods will be more um, detrimental with so the fact that FromSoft switched over to uh, uh, easy anti-cheat, I think the community, you know, sort of fixing certain things with mods um, will trigger a ban. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. Just much quicker. So I'm really disappointed in that. Um, Gameplay-wise, I think the only thing I'm a little disappointed about is how difficult it is to get upgrade items. Mm, um, yes, there, there's, yes. And it's just because there's so many weapons that I, I, I want to play around with. I yeah. want to see what's viable. And my gosh, uh, e- even when you go to the catacombs where you get the little bells that you can then give to the, you know, basically the merchant and buy upgrade items, they're expensive. super expensive. Like I've I've foregone at least five levels just so I could buy smithing stones, just so I could either try something out or decide, you know what, Claymore isn't working out. I want to switch to to this other weapon, but now I got to grind. I got to go find catacombs. And they don't they don't regenerate. It's it's very difficult to find em- enemies that drop those stones mm-hmm. as well. For me, at least, like I, I've had almost zero drop rate for those things. I, I think I totally agree. I think that's one thing FromSoft really needs to work on. I think the games discourage experimentation a lot. Like like for me, yeah. like I just stuck with like the same sword for most of the game because I just didn't want to be bothered to upgrade again. And uh, so mm. and 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 Bloodborne. There was only like one bloodstone chunk in that game, or like two. So that's another example of a game that discourages it. So I'm just hmm. except uh, through right. chalice dungeons. That's true. That's why I did them. So <laughs> you could get Initially. yeah, you could get the, the 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 highest upgrade stone in a few chalice dungeons, and then uh, since you built up insight so quickly by defeating chalice dungeon bosses, you could buy one for sixty insight. So, Bloodborne was the one that I never had an mm. issue. Like I, I have, I have at least eight uh, plus ten weapons. Like yeah. I've got three different variations of the saw spear with different infusions, and, and they're all fully upgraded. I love the saw spear. Mm. Yeah, it's it's weird because Elden Ring's like this open world game. Like, and and there are times where I'll have like a smithing stone, two, three 
five, six, seven, and I just need the fucking four, and I can't find the four anywhere. I'm like, where is Smithic <laughs> yeah. Stone four? So yeah, it is a indicator of your uh, sort of world progress, right? Like, if I know, uh, or if I go to an area that I haven't been to before, and I'm getting Smithing Stones that are like, you know a version behind what I actually need, I know I missed that area early. Hmm. Or if all of a sudden uh, I find a plus seven or a plus eight, I should probably get out of there. <laughs> Good point. I uh, I feel the same way hmm. you do, Mike. I think um, my the way that I view it is it's, it's kind of probably like, because we're probably still considered early game, you know? I'm assuming there's later parts <laughs> in the game where you can farm runes more easily, because I, I also feel that way. Like, I go to, I have this one spot that I farm at, and I use these, sum, I, I have a summon, that I farm with, and I, I have to say I love the summon system of this game. With the, you can collect it's like this kind of Pokemon mm-hmm. system where you c- collect summons and you can summon them and upgrade them and stuff. Oh, it's addicting! I, I love it so so much. It's just fun just to watch them fight <laughs> each other. Like I just love since I was little, I used to like spawn NPCs and games, just like watch them fight. I just love doing that. So this game like is like built into doing that, and uh, it's really fun to, to do. I just recently got the uh, the giant rats, the. Uh, the bane of uh, Aaron, Aaron or Josh's caster, one of them, I don't know, they had the, apparently, Aaron and Josh, who both had played through Dark Souls 1 multiple times, they went in with their casters in this one area, and they kept getting mauled over and over and over by these giant rats. So, uh, I ended up getting that. White Morpheus. White Morpheus, yeah, I ended up getting that just, just, just because I was talking with Josh last night about that story. Um, uh, the giant rats are good, the summon, you can get four of them, and they just kind of swarm in on the enemies. Um, hmm. But I, I think that we're still early game in terms of farming runes, so I, I'll bet you it'll become easier, because like my 120 PvP character of Dark Souls 3, I remember I, I had at one point lost over a million souls, and was kind of like, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and yeah. I had like 6 plus 10 weapons, or like 10 plus 10 weapons, and my alt had like you know 4 or 5 plus 10. So I, I bet you it's possible. It does seem like there's so many weapons in this game, and I think that's why they didn't opt for the uh, Sekiro kind of combat because there's just no way you could balance that with all the weapons and multiplayer i just don't see that happening um but i do uh i do hope they do i guess in terms of my only complaints are really things that i think can be patched the fp spam um the performance stuff the pc port stuff i think that could all be that could all come with a patch so hopefully it will um that's really my my big general complaints i feel like all in all this is like the game i've been waiting for for like 10 years to play and it's better than I expected. So, and I had high hopes. Uh, mm. I kind of want to go off one other thing that Aaron, you were talking about earlier. Um, so my, I think my favorite from soft boss is Ishin from Sekiro. And the reason why I love that boss so much is that one, it's hard, but two, once you get good at it, it's like, like you'll beat them every time. Right, like and that's why. Same with all of Sekiro, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but it's like Ishin's yeah. like the culmination of all that, right? He's this really hard boss that, like, once you get his move set down, you can beat him. Um, some of the bosses in this game, and like the late game bosses especially, I think a lot of it is a little cheap, and there is a lot of RNG. Like sometimes they'll just spam an attack that's almost impossible mm-hmm. to dodge like and sometimes they'll do they'll spam it like two or three times in a row and it feels it feels a little artificial difficulty just like a little bit compared to Sekiro yeah yeah I think that's my my 
my big picture complaint with this game in general would be after playing Sekiro and realizing how good a combat system that is really about player skill how rewarding that is because Dark Souls always felt like that and it was that but it was also a lot of like you need to level up and you need to level your items your items up uh, I do miss that level of, of combat from Sekiro but I, I'm still having a great time I just I, I just I, I'm like I like Sekiro's combat ultimately better yeah I'm there with <laughs> you though I think and the boss battles way better way better in Sekiro I think though I think big picture Elden Ring is uh, probably gonna be one of my favorites it's just has like a less than or a more than some of its parts feel to it that is just kind of amazing but yeah Sekiro's combat's still top tier I mean for me it's multiplayer that gives those games the longevity that they have. Like I, yeah. I enjoy helping people fight bosses, like just, just internet random people. Like it's just, it's one of my favorite things to do. And I've like, my daughter isn't uh, like, she doesn't love that type of game, but her and I have co-op dark souls one, dark souls three. And now we're doing Elden ring. And it's just, you know, because we can do it together, it's made that game accessible to her. And I might I might try and uh, rope my son in doing the same thing, just because you know it's 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 fun to experience a world together. That's so absolutely. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up that rather lengthy conversation about Elden Ring. Very likely, we're doing a dedicated, fully spoiler podcast in a month or so when everybody's beaten the game and caught up with Oren. Oren, we're, we're, we're not all sprinters, man, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we try, we try. I, I devour uh, these games. God damn it! <laughs> I'm like impressed that you can do this so consistently. I'm like, I'm just, mm-hmm. I put a gun to my head. I couldn't fucking do it. I, I'm just not. I don't have that skill, unfortunately. It, well, well, um, you know, you know what? Like, you play play the games that the way you want to play them. Right? There's no right way to play them. Like oh, yeah, yeah. as Kevin said, um, I'm I'm definitely missed a bunch of stuff stuff my first playthrough. So my second playthrough, I'm gonna mm. really kind of be like i'm not playing this to complete it i'm gonna i'm just gonna absorb everything more this time and really get into the lore so there's no right way to play these games like like it kind of goes back to the thing of like somebody who put 50 hours into elden ring and beat it did they are they more qualified to review it than the guy who spent 100 hours and didn't beat it but explored everything it's like that whole premise so Play the game the way you want to play it. That's all I'll say. Definitely. Right now on Steam sh- Steam Charts, I almost, did s- almost said Steam Charts, which would have been uh, pretty funny, but the, the Steam Stats page. Uh, Elden Ring's number one. There's more people playing Elden Ring than any other game on Steam, which is... I can't believe that um, almost a month, I guess three weeks into re- to release, it's still holding those numbers. That's, that is kind of crazy. Uh, I don't know. You can tell because uh, getting a summon and being summoned is like instantaneous. Uh. I mean, at some point we'll need our own dedicated subreddit called like uh, summoning fingers or something. Sort of like <laughs> how there's the uh, hunter's bell subreddit right. that I use constantly. Hmm. Uh, but now it's it's super easy to find people. I don't know, man. I think that this game is going to have legs that I mean, eventually, yeah. I don't know. It's like people played Dark Souls three. They still played. There's still they a lot still of people play Dark playing Souls Dark Souls three. It's still on there. Right Ten thousand was yesterday. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This I think this game is going to be here to stay. Like the the sort of MMO ish qualities are going to give it really really long legs. Which which if it sold twenty million copies on Steam, I still can't get my head around that. But uh, anyway, we're gonna move on. Let's talk about Shadow Warrior Three. Looks a lot like Doom Eternal, but is it? Yeah, I've uh, so I'll make this quick because uh, I don't really know if there's too much to say about that game except that. It's a Doom Eternal ripoff. It's like a total... It's literally Doom Eternal. Um, But it's fun, and I think you would like it specifically, Aaron. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but I heard the game is really short. Um, I should also mention, playing it, that I had a game-breaking bug halfway through it, so I had to restart it, Mm. which was a shame. But um, it's really fun. It's just... um, It's like uh, it's Doom Eternal, but it's Shadow Warrior. It's, it has the same arena-style shooting with executions. It's fast. Um, and I like it. It's not a, you know, it's not a Elden Ring tier game or anything like that, but it's like a fun chaser. It's a fun guilty pleasure to play after Elden Ring. Um, uh, I've heard online a lot of discourse about how Asian culture is represented in it and how it's a little dated, <laughs> to say the least, but... Um, that aside, I think it's a fun game. Can't be any worse than the right. original Shadow Warrior, the 3D Realms one. Right, right. I was going to say. <laughs> it's real bad. That's a series known for its yeah. uh, deft handling of cultural issues. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, I, for some reason, thought, why not pay $70 Ooh. for Gran Turismo 7? Uh, yeah, PlayStation 5 games are expensive. Um so I got it, I downloaded it, I played it a bit, it's pretty good. You know, you watch those videos on YouTube and you're like, damn, this game looks insane. And then you play it and you're like, it doesn't really look that much better than Horizon. In some ways it looks worse, some ways it looks better. Good looking game, it's different than Horizon, it's much more of the like, make your career, start small, you're driving slow cars, and you have to do the license tests, which I don't know if you guys remember these, where you like, they're like, do this corner and you have to do it in a certain amount of time and they're hard and you end up doing it like 10 times in a row. Um, I both love and hate that shit. I haven't found myself sinking lots of hours, probably played about six or seven hours of the game. Uh, I think coming off of how much time I spent with Horizon, my, my racing appetite isn't as big as it was. The thing I want to say about this game that's incredible is the way that it uses the, uh, the PS5 controller is just next level. Like, that shit the the there's tension on the triggers that mimics the gas pedal and the brakes the way the different um ground textures feel when you drive over pavement or grass or or different gravel is just so good It, it like it's such a good use of that controller Microsoft needs to get their ass in gear and, and release something comparable to that and add that to Horizon because it, it really does make the driving just so much more satisfying. Hmm. That's cool. I want to try DualSense. I really do. Yeah, uh, you could try it. I mean, you could. You'd have to get one. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, DualSense has grown on me a lot. I got to say that I would say still Returnal and this game are the probably the best implementation. Um, Astrobot as well. Astro. Oh yeah, Astro's Playroom yeah. is good. I mean, Astro's Playroom is like the fucking demo for that controller. It's awesome though. Um, yeah, it's it's a good game. So yeah, Gran Turismo Seven's pretty good. Uh, it's it's pretty. It you know, 
the cars look incredible. The cars look basically real. Like like there's like a thin layer of of like cellophane like separating reality from you. But the tracks look a little shit, which is what I guess a lot of people say. And you, you do kind of notice that. But in motion, the game looks amazing. The replays. I don't know if you guys like going back 25 years. Gran Turismo replays were always like the like, whoa, that's so amazing. Uh, and um, this game has a a lot of replays and wants you to watch them. Like I guess another complaint I have is it has a really clunky, goofy UI that kind of feels like it's from like 2005, and the menu music uh, is is actually horrific, and I had to like turn off all the music. The music in this game is is so bad which is terrible because the previous games had cheesy music that i enjoyed but ugh. so i don't know grand Turismo 7 pretty fun great use of controller bad use of music <laughs> i'll check it out at some point yeah uh all right let's have something of a topic of the week so i want to look at the steam uh, db.info graph that shows the top most played games on Steam of all time and, and see if we notice a, a bit of a trend here PUBG, kind of an open world game but shooter, Lost Ark oddly number 2, open world MMO uh, Counter-Strike not an open world game, Dota 2 not an open world game, Cyberpunk think, open world game uh, minor correction, I think Lost Ark is actually not that open it's From not? I understand it's kind of like right. large hallways Oh, yeah. well, I take it back. Sorry. Uh, New World, which is definitely an open world RPG. Uh, For sure. Valheim, Terraria, uh, and then there's Capcom Arcade Studio. What the hell is that? It's a <laughs> compilation of uh, old Capcom arcade games. Okay, and then number eleven is Fallout Four. So, I, I like. I guess the point: people love open world games, and people hate open world games. And like they're very polarizing, but then a lot of the people, like I sometimes hate open world games and sometimes love them. What's the story, guys? Why do people love and hate what open world games? Why there's such? Why is there like like an open world game? If you take a series open world, right, like The Witcher Two to Witcher Three, The Witcher Three sells like twenty times more copies than The Witcher Two. Yeah, I don't know if people hate open world games. Cyberpunk. I think a small portion of vocal critics hate open world games, but I think most average gamers like open world games. To be honest. Yeah, I do think though the reason why, for example, why I hate a lot of open world games, is I think the game's design doesn't justify an open world, and it would benefit more. Like for example, unpopular opinion probably, but I think Red Dead Redemption Two would have been better as a linear story. I think the story actually, um, the pacing of the story gets hit because it's open world. Um, that said, when an open world game is done really well, like Elden Ring, it's amazing. Like it's it's fantastic. So that, I think that's my beef with it. I think uh, my thought is is uh, for me, an open world needs to be uh, mysterious. And what I mean by that is, well, one element of that is like I went for a walk the other night with my girlfriend, and it was kind of late at night, and I was like, "Hey, let's go for a night walk. It'll be nice." And I thought, what part of what makes darkness scary is that it's mysterious. You don't know what's in the darkness, right? It's so obvious, but like, like that's what makes darkness scary, and it's, it's mysterious. You don't know. It's unknown. I think that, to me, is what makes open world games good or bad, is if they're unknown and mysterious, and they're also a little dangerous feeling. Like, it doesn't feel like I everyone in the world worships me. Um, 
was playing Dying Light 2 and every NPC conversation is like has to do with something that I've done. And I love Dying Light 2 by the way, but I just think that that is like a trope I don't like. I like how Stalker and Dark Souls both kind of have this thing of like they don't seem to give a like hoot who I am. And that makes the world feel more grounded and believable to me and dangerous than if I am the god player who everyone respects and falls to. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the components that I really enjoy when an open world game does it right is when you discover something unique, right? Like, not like like Far Cry or Assassin's Creed, right? Like, there's there's a base, you take it over, you know, sort of rinse rinse and repeat like that that isn't you know i mean that's you know it's fun to play the game but the moments that i love the most are you know like elden ring or uh to to me specifically in red dead redemption 2 is when you find something unique and hostile um i don't know for example if you guys found um the serial killer in red dead redemption 2 Mm -hmm. but i didn't discover these mutilated bodies and you would eventually sort of stumble across their shack. And it was, it was a part oh, of the story. Oh, yeah, I do it, remember it, that. Wow, fuck. But it was, it was such an entertaining set piece uh, that those are the highlights to me in an open world game is just, just being surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I agree. I, I love an open world when it's hostile and, it's, and it has a huge sense of mystery and like, like the thing that for me that makes an open world good, and I think the thing that, that is in the marketing of a lot of open world games is this idea that you can kind of go anywhere and craft your own adventure and kind of have your own time. Um, and I don't know that every open world game achieves that. Like I think like Red Dead Redemption, it's interesting you say, should have been a like linear narrative game. I didn't play the narrative of that game. I played that game for 70 or 80 hours and I just went around and I found some of the serial, I never found a shack, but I did find some of the serial killer bodies. I did weird shit like going hunting and camping mm-hmm. and stealing stagecoaches and selling them to a fence and just like exploring the world and had totally my own adventure. Like my own player story was completely unique in my own. And then I just stopped playing the game. And that was that was what I did. And it, the world was so well suited for that. It's uh, kind of interesting because I think Nagy Jakey, the YouTuber, he did a really good analysis of that, that like. Red Dead Redemption 2 treats the main story as like one video game and the open world is another video game that run parallel but never intersect and I think that's like accurate Mm -hmm. but um I think for me is yeah kind of going off of your point Aaron and also Mike's point um it's just like I I think a key design thing that I like in open world games that are really good are are the ones that don't have content gated behind quest givers and the witcher 3 is like Mm -hmm. famous for that like they they a lot of the content in those games you have to initiate a quest to find it to find whatever Mm -hmm. you want to find but in um elden ring you can just find stuff you know like you don't have to talk to an npc to initiate something true you can just you could just go there and find that dragon and that I, I think that's mm-hmm. what makes a game like Elden Ring special or Red Dead Redemption Two special is the feeling of just I I discovered this. This is a weird thing I discovered in this corner of the world. Yeah. Uh, what I also think Elden Ring and Red Dead Redemption Two do very well is they don't have the laundry list of quests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, like I feel completely overwhelmed when I just have 
20 items that I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a completionist, right? Like I, I like, I love checklists. I like to check things off <laughs> and those games, uh, are actually harmful to me in a sense because I'm compelled to discover everything to, you know, unlock every little bit to find every tower and, you know, take, take over every base. Whereas Elden Ring doesn't seem to encumber you like that. You, you, you can just discover the world. You know, right. on that point, it's... Ghost of Tsushima, I remember playing Ghost of mm. Tsushima, and one thing that I hated about that game that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough is uh, if you look at the NPCs, like the quest givers, it will say in the menu, mm -hmm. this is step one of nine steps. Of Yeah, two of, two of 11 <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I was like, I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to do it. Yeah. It's like too many steps. I want to just not do it so i really i'm right there with you i hate the checklist mentality of a lot of open world games also uh on that yeah. point of the quest thing i think is important um point too i agree with you on that if i think of uh like elder scrolls um or actually even a better example would be fallout new vegas fallout new vegas you can kill like any npc in the world anytime like they're just the world feels like it's alive and people actually have lives there that 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 it feels like it's a real place to me rather than just a place again where I'm like the main character and they're all NPCs, you know, like uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you have to kill all these people because you're an assassin. That's what you do, right? Um, you can't kill them. They don't live in the world. They're not just there. You can only kill them mm -hmm. after you've done the story prerequisites, which I'll be honest, the classic rock star thing as well. Uh, Red Dead 2, maybe not entirely, but that is like a big rock star mo it's like i'm going to kill you now you know as nico bellic and then they like drive away you know the classic uh, the classic you know thing <laughs> I hate that. um uh so i i do think that I, I that's a really valid point um and i also wanted just to give a shout out to assassin's creed odyssey because there was times where i would kill random people in the world in that game and it would be like you killed the cultist it was like oh Oh yeah! Oh yeah! This, this guy yeah. was just here, and I killed him, and that was—he <laughs> was like, one of my targets. It's a good thing I was feeling murderous. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I agree with the with the the, uh, the the gating gating content behind like narrative dumps is annoying. I agree. Yeah, I think here's a question. I find that like a very authored linear narrative in a in an open world game kind of irritates me and grates on me yeah. because those games are for me so much about like the thing that I'm saying is making my own player story and like whenever that's like a big part of the game uh, Oren was talking about how he watched the donkey video for Horizon Forbidden West which is a game I'm very interested in but after watching that I am a little bit less interested in it because he's like these characters just talk to you and talk to you and talk to you all the time and I'm just like I don't know how that engages with what I'm doing in the game sometimes and it's like it, it works if you're into it but if you're not then it's just like it's so it just grates on you so much I recommend everyone watch that donkey video because it's a really short video it's only like three minutes long but he makes a great point about Horizon where he's like don't play Horizon Forbidden West. It's not because the game is bad, but you've played this game 70 times before. Mm. <laughs> and it's just like the same stuff, you know? So it's just, but yeah, it's like, it's like, uh, I, th I think that you bring up a great point here and like authored narratives. That was kind of my argument with Red Dead 2. It's like, I kind of wish we lived in a world where you had Red Dead 2's open world as its own game. And then you had like a 30, 20 to 30 hour cowboy single player narrative experience that was an, that was another game because I don't think they gracefully intertwine even in a game like that. 
Yeah. Well, in a way, they did because you can buy Red Dead online for like. Oh, uh, that's bucks a good point. And yeah, do all the hunting and camping that, that that your heart desires. Yeah, but you cannot steal a horse or someone's hat. You have got to. Or, I don't remember what the, yeah. the the gearing system in that game is. Just like it's unplayable. I feel like I, I felt like I was playing like one of those like phone games where they're like, you need to wait twelve more hours or pay fifty dollars. Oh yeah, they, it, it is aggressively uh, monetized. But it is. You're right. Like they just they just they just want to hang you by your ankles and oh. shake until every every coin and dollar falls out. Yeah. I also um, mm. we've talked about this before, and, and it kind of mentioned like uh, Assassin's Creed can feel like um, my one of my issues with the with the world is if the world doesn't feel dynamic and alive, like uh, there's no reason to go back to something because you consume the content of that part of the world, and there's nothing else to do there. Right, it's like as I've done mm-hmm. everything I have to do here. Whereas, like uh, even in comparison to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where you can have people chase you, like those mercenaries, like you, you know, then any part of the world can become dangerous and interesting. Like there can be stuff to do anywhere. So I definitely felt that way about games when you can kind of just like consume the world or consume the parts of stuff that are that are interesting, and then it's just done. You've done the activities and the checklist. Okay, well, nothing to do here anymore. It's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be cool if it was. I guess it's interesting because like Elden Ring doesn't show you the checklist, but there there is a checklist, right? It's just obfuscated from the user. Like once you've cleared a catacomb, you can oh well, it's on the map now. I did that. Like you can mm-hmm. kind of like it's true. Like it's interesting how much more rewarding it feels when it's not prescribed by the mm-hmm. yeah. I, I also love about Elden Ring, um, and uh, you you guys probably have realized this at, at some point, but like there's multiple ways to get to certain areas or multiple ways to fulfill a quest. So it's not like in one of my criticisms of Red Dead Redemption 2 is that if you don't do exactly what the game wants you to do, it's a mission fail. Yeah. You know, or it's, it's like yeah. you have to follow the steps, but in uh, Elden Ring does not really punish you. Like uh, um, I, I, I completed an, an NPC quest line in that game and my brother completed it in a totally different way because he just happened to go a different route. And I think stuff like that is so well designed. Um, and I would love to see more of that, more of that flexibility in uh, design. Mm. I agree. It's just kind of like that. Is it like, is the gameplay linear or not? Because Rockstar seems to be in their mission design. Linear is can possibly be, which it's like right. suffocating. Linear, it's yeah. just so at odds, as Aaron and I have talked about, mm-hmm. at odds with their design of their open world. It's, it's, this game really plays into those things t- together so well, be- so beautifully, Elden Ring. I also feel like Stalker did that, too. Stalker, Stalker was like, kind of all the things that I'm talking about, it felt like the world was dangerous all the time. There'd be like, I remember like for the first time finding one of the underground labs and going into it, and it was just like, you mm. know, straight up, you know, horror and Resident Evil scariness, and there's new creatures I'd never seen there before. And mm-hmm. uh, the world, I remember discovering an oh, anomaly yeah. for the first time. I was like, what the hell is this? You know, watching the factions duke it out in all the different fun ways, and, and then partaking or not in those fights. Uh, Stalker really kind of, I think, in terms of open world stuff, did all of this back in 2007 very, very well. Yeah, it's another game that has clearly like a path that it needs you to follow but like you find that entirely by accident right like there's there's no go i mean there's kill strelok right that's that's your one piece of guidance yeah. i guess it's like ring two bells kill strelok's um, definitely but interesting like, guidance and can punish the game as well <laughs> yeah yeah but uh oh god stalker's so fucking good um 
Yeah, the thing about Stalker that's so great is just that like the world is has shit going on, like coming up on a fight between some two groups that like just randomly is happening. Like you never feel like you've totally consumed the world, and it feels like it's always alive mm-hmm. and interacting and just sort of hostile and indifferent to you. For sure. Good old Stalker. Good old Stalker. Uh, I, I hope uh, get, I hope it gets a sequel. <laughs> I hope it. I hope it gets a proper sequel. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Because yeah, like the original Stalker was, I, I, I like, it was mind blowing to me. Like it, it actually got me interested in uh, Russian film and literature and like just the language and culture and history. Uh, I, I, it, it had that much of an impact on me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I then watched Stalker and then read, read Roadside Picnic, and recently yeah. Yeah, uh, same here. had my girlfriend read Roadside Picnic. Uh, but. Uh, uh yeah, I think we're gonna have to do a stalker episode, all things considered. Um all right, anything any more thoughts on open world games? I, I guess you guys closing thoughts on this topic? Well, how about this? What's your favorite you can't count Elden Ring, but what's your like favorite open world game? Just generally based on the parameters we talked about? Cause, so Yeah. I don't have a favorite, but I mean, I love Minecraft. I, I love Valheim, actually. Uh, I, I loved uh, Stalker. I loved Skyrim when it first came out. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, despite having almost every sin that we think is a sin, I had such a magical experience with. Kind of, it, you know, yeah. There's a lot of them. I'm gonna throw. I'm me. gonna throw out a weird answer, but I think my favorite, like, open world design. Not talking about Elden Ring. I actually thought Immortals Phoenix Rising had a really well-designed open world that's really underrated. I thought it was really... It never felt uh, restrictive. It felt fun. I felt like I was just discovering stuff. And I know that that game is directly inspired by Breath of the Wild, which I never really played. But, like, it just felt... It was uh, just a surprisingly good open-world Ubisoft game. And I I think that's the one I would say is my favorite, at least recent open-world. I think uh, mine would be Death Stranding. Uh, I know mm-hmm. every inch of that world. The gameplay is probably, in my opinion, the most like geniusly, geniusly just designed way to interact with the world that I've seen in a game. Uh, the world is never consumed; it's always dynamic and online elements. Um, so, and True. there's also the world is your enemy, so essentially. So there's always different ways to play it and traverse it that can be engaging in, in ways that I've never seen any other game do. Um, and I really love the design of the world of that game. So, uh, yeah, in terms of all that stuff, Death Stranding. That's awesome. Uh, you know, it's funny, as, as much as I actually do play open world games, like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Death Stranding, um, it is hard to say that I actually have a favorite. Mm. Um, I, I, I really do like Red Dead Redemption 2, as in, in, in the aspect of how alive the world feels. Uh, I mean, just from like the animal AI to people just walking in a city, you know, maybe, you know, if you bump into them, they kind of, they kind of curse at you. Uh, it, it really impressed me. Um, so I, I might say that even though I 100% agree that game design rockstar just hates humanity. <laughs> they just, they want to torture people with, uh, no running Ugh. in their own camp or <laughs> just weird control button pressing to do, you know, sk- skin something or chase someone or, you know, tap a button to run. That's 
really yeah. terrible. It's, I agreed completely. <laughs> I just love it when you're going to open a drawer, and it's like he he opens the drawer like he slowly just kind of grabs the handle, opens <laughs> it, and then like you have to press another animation to grab what's in the drawer, and it's like oh he just man, really takes his time to. It's so immersive <laughs> though, or it really immerses you in that world. Yeah, it's like when when bandits are shooting at me outside, the first thing I do is like I slowly pick up the pistol on the table, you know, <laughs> slowly grab the, you know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm. All right. Uh open world games. Uh mm. I, Can I have one question? Mm-hmm. Can I ask you guys one question just as a footnote to that whole conversation? Sure. Do you mourn the potential loss of the FromSoft Metroidvania design? Because I do. As much as I love the open world, uh, yeah. I yes. love the old design as well. And I, 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 I have a feeling that it may, may not make those anymore. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, they never made yeah. another Dark Souls-like world. Uh, I think Sekiro was the closest, yeah, but, yeah. but not quite there. So I, I feel like we lost that really 11 years ago. I, I don't know. I mean... Like- like the satisfaction of opening a gate or like unlocking that section of the map that like links you back to Firelink Shrine. Um, I will miss that mm. greatly. Mm. Like that was like, you know, in Bloodborne, it was the same thing, right? Like there's a big gate, like it, it takes you so long to finally like come around and open up that gate. And when you do, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. thank goodness. You know, it's, it's, it's a real relief. Whereas Elden Ring, I mean, it's, it, to me so far I, I haven't experienced that I, I haven't like unlocked a shortcut like that Mm-mm. except for in the castle when I finally open the gate but I haven't gone back there like that's not that's mm-hmm. not something that I traverse through all the time so it's it, it doesn't mean as much yeah yeah do you, do you guys think that so like Dark Souls didn't have fast travel until like the last half of the game or so and I think I actually think that was a really positive aspect every FromSoft game since has had fast travel between every bonfire um do, do you guys think that that's a, a good thing or a bad thing or i think that's like like once you let the genie out of the bottle you know there's no putting it back yeah. like i as much as i like love and respect that from dark souls one i don't think we're ever gonna see yeah, that again. I, no we're definitely not gonna see it again <laughs> i just remember like the sheer horror of realizing i was stuck in blighttown and there was no oh, that's going forward from <laughs> There's no Town. easy way up. Because even Demon Souls didn't have that. Demon Souls, you could always go back to the Nexus. Right. You know? Uh, whereas mm-hmm. Blighttown, you're stuck in Blighttown. You either go back to the, the depths or you beat Blighttown. There, there's a set of like emotions and feelings and experiences that you really only get from Dark Souls because it doesn't have that. Uh, and it's, I'm a little sad that we're never going to see that again. I guess other games like... like there still are good Metroidvania games that don't have fast travel, like Prey, I think, is a pretty good example. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on to recommendations. Orin, you been watching any movies? Uh, my, my personal rec is not going to be, like, something too obscure this week, uh, but the new Batman movie is awesome. I highly recommend oh, nice. it. Wow. Nice. Okay, that's cool. It's, um, the one thing I'll say about it is that one, one of the weakest part of every Batman movie, in my opinion, is Batman himself. I just don't think Batman has ever been done truly well. 
And this is the first one that I think really puts the effort into making developing Batman as a character, but specifically under the parameters of what would a billionaire who spends all of his time being a vigilante, what type of person would that be? You know, it's not going to be someone who's all there, you know? So um, Mm -hmm. I think it's worth seeing one because they do a great job with Batman. um, And two, it's just a really, a really solid detective thriller that reminded me of uh, like David Fincher movies, like seven and Zodiac. So, Whoa. Okay. That's not what I was expecting. Oh yeah. No, it's, that's clearly like what they're doing. They're like, what if we made a David Fincher movie, but it were Batman? And it's uh, it was really a good time. I saw it twice. Uh, I love almost everything about it. I have some quibbles, obviously, but mainly with the third act. But overall, it's it was a very good Batman movie. Mm. That's awesome. Uh, Kevin, you got anything? Any Rex? Um, I don't have any wrecks um no no i didn't uh fill out the segment come back to me i'll have one i'll have one within within five minutes i'll give you something just recommend okay. elden ring be like play elden ring where are you doing how about this? Play elden ring. how about this i recommend the claymores <laughs> with an elden ring despite the fact that i've used it across i don't know five games still a great weapon and you said they're bad at pvp and they're not as good in pvp pve they still crush enemies um You'll see the enemies driven before you and all that fun stuff. So, it's very, uh, it's very fun and and uh, amazing weapon. So use the claymore Elden Ring. You can infuse it with magic and it's still good, or Dex, or Faith, or Bleed. All right, Mike. Nice. You got six today? Uh, uh, no, I just got one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a book I read. Yeah. It's called Between Between Two Fires mm. uh, by Christopher Buhlman. And it's a sort of like dark medieval fantasy set in uh, France, but it's it's almost like if someone wrote a Dark Souls novel. Nice. Uh, it's it's really good. It even sounds like it with the um, title. Between two fires. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 excellent. There's oh wow. Uh, there's violence. There's uh, fantastical elements. Monsters. Um, innocent kids. It's it's really good. Awesome. Awesome. I. I'm going to put that on my uh, want to read Goodreads list. Uh, okay, that's very cool. My recommendation is the show Severance, which is on Apple Plus, and it's really fucking enjoyable. Uh, it's It has uh, Adam Scott, Christopher Walken, John Turturro. Um, it's directed by uh, Adam, not Adam Sandler. Adam Carolla? Uh, what's, Adam, that, that would be a thing. Uh, no, what the hell is his name? Um, uh, ben Stiller oh, directs really? it, which is which you would think would be not good, but it is. It is a this show has a like pure aesthetic vision. It's it's like channeling like The Conformist in Brazil, wow, nice. and it has this just dark humor, like incredibly dystopian themes. Really good acting. Uh, it's there's only five episodes out. I'm actually really enjoying watching it week to week. Each episode's about an hour. Um, but like the concept is the, like there's a company that like to work for the company the the sort of stuff that they handle is so um sensitive that you have to like sever your consciousness so that when you're at work you don't know anything about your outside self and when you're at not at work you don't know anything about your work self 
and it does a really good job of exploring what would that imply and it's it's about loss and, and working in the workplace and it's it's just sumptuously shot it's really really good it's the best thing that's been on apple plus by a huge margin fuck ted lasso <laughs> i was um, just gonna say then better than ted lasso <laughs> ted lasso's Is it the cowboy stupid. show i watched every episode enjoyed it no it's not okay. I, I haven't seen ted lasso uh, so i can't i can't say anything about it <laughs> Tamler Summers also hates Ted Lasso, so I feel vindicated. Even though, I, even though I've watched, I don't hate it. I just, I, I like watched it all, enjoyed it. And now I'm kind of like, I feel dirty. It was like too positive, too up, too uplifting for uh, me. Also, the um, culture around it's kind of annoying. People being like, ah, oh, Ted Lasso, I love that show so much. You gotta watch it. It's one of those shows where, that has like a weird culture around it, but whatever. Ted Lasso is fine, but this is so much better. Like this is this is really, really, really well done and really like well thought out. Like a lot of shows these days feel like they're kind of like rough drafts. Like they haven't had the time to to edit and really process what this is the final form could be for this thing. And this just feels like a lot of time was spent making sure that this was like exactly what it needed to be and honed down. Do I? And it's it's just beautiful and disturbing. Do you and need great. an iPod video or to watch this? You need an Apple Plus uh, membership. You could probably get okay, a trial. Okay, so you don't you don't need the hardware so, like, though, to, to watch it. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, I'm sure you have the app on your TV. Your Xbox has the app. Okay. Um, yeah. So, like I said, there's only five episodes out. I think there's going to be ten. So, if, if you want to binge it, which is what I'm not doing, wait, wait five weeks. Or if you want to binge it over, you know, a trial. Yeah. Anyway. Severance, very good. Uh, as I said, there will be links to, if you're interested and you feel like this is something you want to do, donate to people in Ukraine. Um, and uh, Mike, thank you again for stopping by. We appreciate having you a second time. Yeah, thanks for having me. We, it's fun to talk about everything. Yeah, this is a long one. This is I, I'm looking at over two hours. Is, is this going to be our longest pod ever? I think, Should we just stretch it out for a few more minutes? I think our, ant- our most anticipated one was like two hours, 12 minutes or something. Oh, God. I'm not doing that. All right. Uh, Madden, we love you. Uh, Everybody else, thank you so much for listening. And uh, apologies for being late on this episode. We had some kind of personal stuff going on that delayed recording. But uh, I think we'll be back next week. And uh, hopefully, hopefully some other stuff coming out. So, yeah. Thank you. Have a good week. 